Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And happy Easter, everybody. However you choose to celebrate it, I hope you have a wonderful long weekend. It's one of my favourite times of the year, as I've spoken about on the show before, Easter Monday. Also known in this house as Cheap Chocolate Day. You get up at the crack of dawn, you get down to the supermarkets, the lint bunnies are half price. What more could you want? It's a special time of year, Zach. <laughs> Easter is a very special time of year, Michael, yes. I did, actually. I, I, I'm used to the Ten Commandments being on t- on ABC, and it wasn't yeah. on at all. Oh, week. yeah. I haven't seen them this Yeah, because you've always yeah. spoken about that. It's like that yeah. film. Yeah. I, like, I just enjoy watching, spending four hours watching that movie every year. I have, like, the... I have it on DVD, like, it's one of the special editions, like, with an anniversary edition, and it has, like... Twenty uh, Commandments? No. <laughs> Extended no. director's no, cut. It, it has like these older versions. It's really it's really interesting, including I think one of them is a silent film. There's like an old, old, old um like parable sort of version of it. It's really weird. Really yeah, good. yeah, and like usually it's a it's a like uh, it's a thing for me where I don't remember about it and I'll see like like naturally what time I get into the movie. Because I always, I never get to at the beginning. I'm never ready for the beginning of the movie. So it's always, how much did I miss this year? Nice. I know it's a classic. I just, I don't know if I've ever actually seen it. Well, it has been a a good weekend for people just having a a good family time, celebrating Easter, whatever way. It's it's been a, a great week on the whole for footballing news locally. Not so much for me in general. I am starting to decide about my life choices for football teams because East Fife, we're recording this on Saturday night, East Fife got relegated today. AFC Wimbledon are basically relegated, barring an amazing comeback in the last three games. And the Whitecaps would be relegated if MLS adopted a proper system. (laughs) So I I think I might need to start deciding on, on what football team I want to support, which would be good if I did want to change, because one of the big announcements this week is the brand new team that is coming to the lower mainland. The CPL is coming to Langley, stroke Vancouver, if you want to 
to go with it, the marketing and the t-shirt that, that Zach is currently wearing. But yeah, that was the big announcement on Wednesday. Five years in the making, the CPL is going to have a home in Langley. So we're going to talk about that in this part. Part two, we're going to look at some other big news that came out involving Vancouver and football, which is that the World Cup is almost certainly going to be getting played here in 2026. We'll cover Whitecaps in part three and part four. And we're also going to be joined in part four by our good friend Eve Powell from the Ball is Round podcast to talk about the game today and all things Montreal. But we will start off by talking about the CPL and Wednesday's announcement. Zach and myself were there at Langley Event Centre. Details came out about where the team's going to be based, a little bit about the, the stadium. I have to say, on last week's show, when we teased we might bring a, a midweek special out, it was because I thought there was going to be maybe a, a lot more information that came out. I thought we might get the team name, the team colours, the identity, the logo, crests, all that. But that's that's coming, Zach. Not quite yet. Yeah, no, I knew that stuff wasn't coming. I'm a, I was a little surprised that there was not renderings of of, of like the visuals of, of the stadium and more details on the stadium. But again, that'll come, I think, in whatever six to eight weeks. So it's a 2023 launch. The team is going to be in Langley, owned by Six Five Sports and Entertainment. The team name, etc., is going to come in a couple of months. Probably we're looking at, at June. That's going to be a, a big announcement then. What we do know right now is the new team is going to be playing out of Willoughby Community Park at the Langley Event Centre, and we'll come back to that in a sec. But Steve, you're a, a Valley boy. It's not in Surrey. It's very close to you. What, what was your initial thoughts on this finally being a reality and a CPL team basically in your backyard? Well, I actually, just to let you know, I consider myself a Vancouver uh, in exile. In, oh, in yes, because you're an East Van guy like myself. Yeah. Um, so, but the uh, overall, yeah, I, I'm very excited about the announcement. Um, I, I didn't have a bother whether it was in Langley or Surrey um, because I'd be driving there no matter what. The trans uh, the bus system in Surrey is impossible to get anywhere anyways. It would have been nice for people to get the SkyTrain there, but that yeah. possibly could be happening down the road too. You never know by the time, uh, you know, in four or five years what happens. Uh, but overall, I think it's very exciting. It, they needed a team, a second team in BC. It makes it a total sense considering, you know, two teams in Alberta, two teams in BC, two teams in Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, the rest of the prairies. That's, you know, your 16 yeah, Western Conference at this point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then obviously you can sprinkle more teams down the road, uh, uh, you know, in other parts of the of those provinces. But overall, I, I, yeah, it, it's totally exciting. And, and it's 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 it, you know there is like a little bit of apprehension that there's is owned by the same team that owns Pacific, but uh, overall I think but you needed to do something to get it off the off the ball, and hopefully down the road they can find an owner for the other team and a local owner that will eventually strengthen the team uh, the teams overall. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We, we when we had Rob Friend on episode five hundred uh, a few weeks back now that was one of the questions we. we we put to him, Zach, and it's like well done though to to Six Five Entertainment because like Rob, Friend, Josh Simpson, and Dean Shillington, they could have just walked away once they started the team in Pacific, and they could have said, okay, that's our team, but they they want to have this team in the Lower Mainland. They know that the Lower Mainland needs a team, can sustain a team, 
and it, it's just it's an exciting time in general in the province for football because there's so much happening but I mean you lived in Langley for a number of years just recently moved away to, to have this come to that community what what is that going to mean to the community and how excited are you now to see this become a reality man yeah I've I was looking. I was calculating. There's nowhere I li- I've lived longer in my life than in Lang- oh, in Langley, wow. which is really weird to say and to think about. But um, yeah, we lived there for just over 15 years. <laughs> it's a long wow. time. Um, I think it's great for the community of Langley. I think Langley is this, as you kind of heard on on Wednesday, is this uh, community that uh, you know loves sports and has supported sports at uh, at various levels and. Um, more and more have been kind of stepping things up, right, with the, the Vancouver um, Giants there and the, the Bandits, the basketball team moving there from the Abbotsford Event Center. And, uh, yeah, LEC is a, a real hub. And so I think it'll be something that uh, Langley and the Fraser, Fraser Valley communities come together to really rally around and, and support. Um, it's, uh, it's an incredibly exciting opportunity. You know, like you said, it's been this has been a long time. Like Rob Dean uh, and Josh, yeah, they wanted to be there first. It was, I think, a hard. It was a hard sell for them, if you will, in the sense of yeah. getting these communities, one of these communities, to commit and uh, to kind of partner with them. And over the last five years, um, as I've connected with Rob on this, like it's been, there's been a lot of ebb and flow to where things are at and where things are going and what's on the table and who, and who's who wants to look after what and why and all that kind of stuff. And finally things have, yeah, settled on this and it's going to be really, really, really exciting to see it uh, finally come to fruition. And Wednesday was an exciting day. Uh, This, whatever day it is in June will be an exciting day. And obviously next April will be a massive, massive occasion. Oh yes, absolutely. It it was a good turnout as well at at the media conference as well from lots of of different parties and we'll we'll come to that as well. But obviously there was a lot of excitement, maybe none more so than Rob Friend himself who has put so much into this and got a chance to to chat with Rob after the press conference on Wednesday just to, to chat a little bit more about things. Here's what he had to tell us. Okay, so Rob, big day. It's been years in the planning, as you said. You finally got to announce the team's coming out of Langley. What's the emotions like for you? No, it's it's a special day. It's been, I said it earlier today, it's been five years in the uh, in the planning stages and we've been talking a lot in, in the community and uh, to finally announce it today is special. Now we can be out, right? It's here. We planted our flag at the Langley Event Centre. Now we can really uh, get involved in the communities around here and, and uh, do our part and, and start raising the awareness about the, the CPL and uh, and then eventually launch our brand pretty quickly here. What do you feel is different from when you tried to get here, say, back in 2019 to, to now? Was it the fact that they've maybe seen how successful the league is, what it's meant to a community like Langford, for example? Absolutely. No, I think I think it was the timing's everything. And er, early on, we were trying to pitch this concept, the Canadian Premier League. People didn't know what it was. It's a startup league. It's it's a high risk. You know, a lot of municipalities aren't sure about that. Langford, Langford took the risk, and, and it's obviously been hugely successful there. 
you know, the township of Langley have been watching and, and watching the success of the league, and now it's becoming established. So the conversation was a lot easier coming back here and saying, okay, now we're ready. And uh, they, they welcomed us with uh, open arms, and, and they were very excited about it. And, uh, you know, so again, it was timing was everything. And uh, so the time was right. Everyone's going to want to know about the time scale. So what are we looking at over the next couple of weeks, months? Yeah, no, I think uh, now that we're out, it's, it's, we're, we're having conversations in the community, you know, uh, what they're looking for uh, in a brand, uh, you know, what, what, what does a brand stand for, the values, um, you know, and then start developing colors and names. And uh, so that's going to be in the next few weeks, months. And, uh, and then hopefully we'd like to, you know, early summer be able to launch the brand, uh, the logo, the colors, and the stadium, and, and come out with the stadium, stadium renderings, and get, the, get people excited. It's tangible. It's there. It's, it's, it's a brand and, and, a, and a club that people want to get behind and, and what it represents. So it's, it's developing that now over the next uh, two months. And then once we're out, we're out. And then it's, you know, then it's, it's players, it's coaches, and, and all the fun stuff around that. I don't know how much you can say just now about the stadium, but is it a stadium that allows you to expand in, in the future down the line? Or when it's built and it's, if it's, say, 8,000, that's going to be kind of you set at that? Well, without diving into too much details of, of the stadium, um, a lot of these stadiums now, these, these, these prefab stadiums are expandable. Um, we want to keep it tight and intimate. It's sort of the number I like to say is, you know, I'd love to see an 8,000-seat stadium. I think that's the sweet spot here in this market. And then fill it. And then if we fill it, that's a, that's a good problem to have. Then we can expand. But uh, I think that's a great number for not only the Canadian Premier League, you know, smaller national team games, stuff like that, events. And uh, so that's kind of the number we're looking at. And, and But it's all about being as tight as possible, close to the pitch, and creating this really cool, intimate atmosphere. So... The team in Langley, it's the first professional soccer team that's out in the valley. There's obviously a lot of clubs here. There's youth clubs, there's the adult clubs that play in Fraser Valley and, and VMSL. Are you wanting to kind of reach out to them, get them all involved? How, how would you see your own kind of academy side going? Would you be relying on the local sides and working very closely in partnership with them? Yeah, I think it's being more inclusive here with all the all the clubs. They're big clubs here, right? Coastal, Surrey United, Surrey FC, Langley United. You know, you got clubs in Abbotsford, even Metro Ford. These are huge clubs, huge grassroots clubs. And and you know, when I talk about inspiring the community and filling the filling the stadium, those clubs can fill the stadium. And then those kids are going to be inspired, go back to training the next day, and and you know, and and be inspired to play in that stadium one day. And 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 so those are those are massive partners uh in this community and and so we we have to really dive into them and what they're looking for how we can help them out Uh, you know not not talking about touching the uh the youth sport of it and and get involved there i think it's just more how we can help them help grow the game in their clubs and that's more what it's about thank you so much for your time it's been a busy day it's always a pleasure So Rob Friend there, excited, relieved, big weight off his back to finally get this over the line, finally be able to to announce some stuff. And as I mentioned in episode 500, we spoke a lot to Rob about that. So if you didn't hear that interview, definitely check that out. He explained how things are going to work with splitting the ownership of the team. It's going to be, yes, the same company is owning both, but he's going to be taking a, a 
big part in this. I think from the summer onwards, you're probably going to see Rob front and centre with this team and, and covering a, a, a lot of the aspects of it. I, I do wonder, though, how Pacific fans feel about this because they, they've delivered a championship to the team in just three seasons. And they now have a rival, which to grow this game, to grow this league, to grow all these teams, you want a local rival. It's still maybe a four or five hour trip by the ferry, the way that, that things are, but it, it's, it's still a, a local rivalry, a BC rivalry. But I do wonder, Steve, if Pacific fans might feel a little bit slighted and might feel that they're soon going to become the, the second choice team to, to this ownership group. The thing is, though, with the CPL, because they have budgets and everything like that, it is uh, doable. Where you're not, you, you know, one team's not getting get. Uh, I mean, we'll, we, that uh, it might be a little bit uh, preferential treatment because of the fact that it's just launching. But overall, team wise, player wise, it's going to be very similar. The one thing about the rivalry, though, if they do feel slighted, that might actually strengthen the rivalry. If yeah. they do, if they, you know, Pacific eventually gets uh, their own separate ownership group, or maybe some local owners in in on the island, and and this, uh, you know, six five uh, sports, and they go on to just owning the Langley team. So, and that will create a new rivalry because believe me, teams that uh, used to uh, owners that used to own one team and they went to another team in other sports that there was definitely a hatred there between the two teams. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. For, I don't think that's going to happen for a long time. I think essentially, Josh and if Josh is going to run the island, and Dean and, and Rob are going to run run here uh, in the foreseeable future, and that there already is kind of those internal rivalries. I think Rob has spoken about, and yeah, when it comes to the fans, I've already seen some of the Pacific, you know, longtime Pacific kind of people who are just you know ready for that and already taking, uh, you know, engaging in quote-unquote banter you know yeah. online with, with people about you know how much better they are and established and you know they look forward to someone trying to challenge them oh yeah them. they're going to be so up for these games everything from the the owners to the or the directors executives to the players to the fans they'll so be up for this rivalry and that first game is going to be electric i would not be surprised if that's what kicks off the, the oh, season yeah. i think rob already once joked about how um how the people in the front office of Pacific already hate the the Vancouver twenty twenty three team. <laughs> That's what you want. I like hating football. I've explained that before, and I mean it in a good way. But from from speaking to to Rob there, and we had some good chats with with Dean as well. A little chat with Josh didn't speak to him too much, but like just speaking to Dean Shillington, the passion that he's got for this team, for this project, for football in general. He's just been over in the UK, he was telling us, and he was taking in like lower league games and the atmosphere and the passion from that is what he wants to, to bring to this team. You've got businessmen involved in this that really love the game, really care about the game and really want to grow the game. And that is what the game needs. And you've now got a partnership with the township of Langley that wants to do the, the same thing. So the the Willoughby Community Park is going to be the home to this team. We don't know too much yet officially about what the stadium is going to be. We do know that what is the current snappily named Northwest Synthetic Turf is going to be the home field. A slight disappointment for me that it's not a grass pitch. I would have loved that. But it does make sense because it's going to be community use and they want to use it for other events. 
but and it's a state-of-the-art pitch. It's the top FIFA-ranked pitch, and it only got installed in 2020, and it's hardly been used because of COVID. So it's it's a it's a state-of-the-art pitch. I mean, it was described as the best playing surface in Canada. I'd probably take a little bit of uh, that with a pinch of salt. To me, I, I don't see that, but... Well, no, I think what it was meant is in terms of uh, non-grass fields, Michael. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, that was yeah. what they meant. It's, yeah, they, did, it's, they didn't specify that. They just said it was yeah. the best playing surface in Canada, and I was like, hmm. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that was the context of the comment, but yeah, it is the highest. Like it's, it's. I mean, just to clarify, it is a higher-rated surface than what's at BC Place. And then the best way to sell things is to omit some of the uh, information so oh, that yes. it sounds better. Yes. And that's why there's so many best pizza in Vancouver or whatever yeah. places around. <laughs> it just needs one person to say that was the best best pizza I've ever had in Vancouver. Everything comes back to pizza with me. Um, so, yeah, so that is going to be the home pitch. Depending who you speak to, we're going to hear a little bit from the Mayor of Langley in a sec. So it looks like it could have anything from like between six to 8,000 seats initially. Grandstands will run alongside both touch lines. You can see from the photos that I put out or on Twitter on Wednesday and stuff that's on the CPL site as well, just where those grandstands are going to be. I think the hope as well is that there's going to be at least something behind one of the goals as well for supporters. And they ideally want a roof over everything to get that noise going, to keep it in, just to, to keep it nice and intimate, which for these stadiums, Zach, that's what you want, to build the atmosphere. And we, we saw it when we were over at Starlight for the, the Whitecaps game. Yeah. Once you've got the crowd going and you've got the roof over them, it just amplifies the noise and it, you're, the players must feel that you're just right on top of them. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like a essentially uh, virtually a U, like you said, with uh, <clears throat> the supporters in the the south end looking towards the mountains in the north, and uh, yeah, they call roof, themselves roof. the Southsiders, perhaps. <laughs> uh, the roof is, uh, yeah, the roof is. I'm, I've heard them talk about it um, as being essential. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just to have that awesome uh, help help create and keep in that awesome atmosphere. It's really, I mean, you shouldn't probably have a stadium with no roof in the lower mainland, right? Like, I mean, with some kind of roofing, like it doesn't make sense. Well, Um, like genuinely, and I say this for anywhere, no stadium should be built without a roof. Everything should have a roof for the comfort of the fans, for one thing, for weather. Like I I watch a lot of A-League, as you know, and New Zealand things. So it's beautiful weather there, but you have thunderstorms that soak folk. So you you do need roofs, but also to create the atmosphere and to keep that noise in. So you're saying like Camp New is is trash? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Should definitely put a roof on that. I think it would go up in the pecking order for me. Maybe maybe above Bayview even, possibly. Yeah, there you go. But I, I know from being at lower league games, you only need a few people with a roof to make it sound a, like a lot more people. You fill a stand with a roof, and wow, yeah, you've got an amazing atmosphere. But yeah, maybe, there's there's de- there's definitely encouraging possibilities. Yes, I'm very excited to see the the final rendering. So things are still getting sorted out. So that's they have to dot the i's and cross the t's and get everything signed off. 
just about how it's going to look, the costs, when it's going to start, etc, etc. It's expected to be modular, so there is going to be potential room for expansion. And I mean, as, as we said, it's been no secret, 6.5 wanted to bring a, a team to the Valley to start off the CPL in 2019. Langley and Surrey were the two cities that were identified as the prime candidates for that. But as you touched on there, Zach, both cities, they weren't too keen to fully commit back then. It was a, it was a hard sell. But you've got the advantage now of three years of this league under the belt, albeit only one proper full season, one almost proper season and one just weird COVID season on an island. But you've, you've been able to see what this league can do, what it can produce. But most importantly, you can gauge what some of these teams mean to the communities that they are in. And you just have to look at Langford and and what it's meant to, to that community and to Victoria. So Langley, now fully on board, they, they want this to be a prime site in the city. It's a, it's a grow, growing city. You just have to drive down 200 Street and you see all the residences that, that's going up and there's more coming. And I think it's great that Langley's on board now. Got a chance to to speak to the mayor of Langley, Jack Froze. Asked him just why now felt like the right time to bring a team to the Fraser Valley. Obviously an exciting time. Professional football coming to, to Langley. I, I know that Rob and the, the group have been looking to come here in the past. From looking at it from the the city's point of view, why was 2019 not the right time? Why is 2023 going to be the right time? Yeah, you know, this, as I said, it was about a five-year process to get here. Uh, So talks five years ago, they came to our council, gave us a little presentation, and it takes time to negotiate and get all the pieces together. COVID didn't help, that's for yes. sure. As we said, we put a brand new field in to, to accommodate this level of, of uh, soccer or football. And uh, it, it, we got that in in 2020, beginning of, you know, spring of 2020, we know what happened. But then the continuing on uh, with them, getting the talks. And as the league is building, I think you're, they're also moving along at their pace. So I'm excited that it's coming now. Um, opening day, you told me it's a year from now. So I'm yeah. really excited about that. But but uh, these take time. It, it's, it's not a quick... Uh, quick fix to, to also the team comes in especially a brand new league they're building too so we want to build with them having seen the league grow so you've actually physically seen what it's meant to certain communities for example langford over in the island yeah. what do you see as the big selling points for langley what do you see as the big benefits for langley for the team being here yeah you know with langley is um, getting to be known for sports uh, at this level we, have the, we host the Vancouver Giants uh, at the Langley Event Centre. Uh, there's a new basketball team, the Bandits, in Langley. We, we seem to fit that middle ground. We're not as big as you know, the Vancouver Canucks or some of those, uh, you know, the larger, the Whitecaps. We're not in that market, but we're in another market. And we're really positioned well in the Fraser Valley. We're very central. So when you look at the population of Surrey and the, and the amount of people in Surrey and the young kids playing soccer, and you go to Coquitlam, you go to Maple Ridge, Abbotsford, we're the centre. And so there's a huge fan base right here of a lot of young families raising the kids, putting them in soccer, and a lot of soccer enthusiasts. So um, it's just a natural uh, spot. The other thing is the Langley Event Centre, uh, the way they've been doing sports, they really uh, do a great job of promoting the sports uh, and 
the, uh, audio, the the technical expertise that we have here, when we come and watch a hockey game and you see what's happening in the game, you see the type of uh, caliber of, of, uh, of people that we have that can put on these events. So I think it flows nicely to uh, a sport that's going to be outdoors. Uh, we're working towards getting that stadium built. Uh, there'll be some bleachers coming in. And we'll have all of that synergy focused on the soccer too. So we really have come a long ways in Langley over the last 10, 20 years when it comes to uh, hosting sports uh, teams and sports events of this caliber. And we're continuing to grow. And, and, and this is just a great location to have it. And just the last thing about the stadium, when do you see work perhaps starting on it? Can you share anything about where the stadium's going to be, like the yeah. capacity or what, maybe what it's going to look like? Yeah, it's in its really early stages. Uh, we're looking at probably around six, seven thousand seats, and uh, it's we now have to get busy getting this thing built. And it's it's uh, it's going to be a, a stadium that, uh, that we've seen them pop up in other parts of the world. It, it's uh, it's one that can be, be put up fairly quickly, and we're working we're already working on it and uh, working on the process to get it here. So, want to have it here for opening day, and that's what's important. Thank you so much yeah. for your time you. and congratulations on it. Langley Mayor Jack Froze there just chatting about his excitement of the CPL team coming to Langley. I mean, y- you can see why back in 2019 that the cities wanted to wait just to see what they were investing in, especially if they were going to be giving up any real estate and or money for it. So good for Langford back then for seeing that vision, jumping in to, to bring a team there. Now... We've got Langley on board. On the whole, it's been well received, but people have said that the Langley Event Centre is a bad venue for this team because the transit isn't great, apparently, in Langley. Accessibility, if you're driving, it can be a bit of a nightmare in Langley, as I've experienced myself, trying to get out of the, the city sometimes, especially during rush hour. Folk are worried about the amenities, that there's not a lot roundabout there but it is a growing city and it's growing apace as I said with these new residences and with these residences are going to come amenities it's going to be restaurants it's going to be pubs bars it's going to have a lot of stuff there I do feel and this might be something that Steve might want to talk about because he's already mentioned about like the Surrey issues with with transit and stuff I feel there needs to be park and ride set up to shuttle fans to the game to try and take as many people away from driving up and down 200 Street as possible. Oh, yeah, that, that 200 Street is very busy. Zach probably knows too. Um, uh, I, I think also uh, some um, some options to come down from the highway as well because um, uh, it's right off the hi- uh, Highway 1. So um, having some shuttles or buses set up special for uh, the event uh, i think that would be helpful as well uh going there yeah i i um following the the press conference for the announcement uh a half a dozen or so of the supporters uh, we had a, an hour-long meeting with the owners um and uh the, some of the one soccer people were, were hanging out as well um and these were the things that were these are the kind these are some of the conversations that are that are being had about what can happen what's possible in terms of um yeah like shuttles from you know some of the, the quality pubs that are in Langley um and from different places and what what could that look like and shuttle buses and all that kind of stuff yeah is it perfect is it a perfect location no are there up a number of upsides to it yes are there a number of down you know 
cons to it yes for sure it is not a place where like you're like oh this is going to be our home pub automatically right mm -hmm. like there's there's not a lot around there it's it feels like in, unless that unless that changes or unless there's something i'm not aware of a, a, a close by venue that i'm not aware of it, it feels like it, it it lends itself more to like a tailgating culture which ah. again maybe there's pros and cons to that as well but um yeah uh, and so we'll see we'll see how that all that all develops i mean if but one of the things about the tr transportation though is that and rob indicated this in the, the interview in episode 500 is that um this team is for is for the valley like it's for the you know the surrey's langley abbotsford you know chilliwack you know mission maple ridge whatever like it's for those communities where those people all drive to where they're going to virtually you know virtually all maybe yeah. Ace maple ridge mission might take the uh, the west coast express or whatever but virtually all those people drive if they're going if they're going west they're driving they're not getting on a bus they're not what like so those people the people in the community are used to driving being the primary primary way they get places and the focus won't be i don't think massively on those as rob said on the other side of the river now there were some people from coquitlam at at the uh uh at the launch but um but yeah like this is not a this is kind of a kind of like a team for people who whose life is commuting and they're gonna drive to the ground you know like it's not necessarily for you know a person in you know west van who wants to be able to or north van who wants to be able to jump on the boat and then jump on a sky train or whatever and, and i don't say that to be negative or mean or whatever it's just like there are footballing options for those people already yeah like this is this is something something new and uh in a new community and or a new part of the larger community and so yeah um that's why rob said in that interview they don't intend to do a lot of marketing on the other side of the river right they are focusing on the valley that's then they, they want this to be the valley's team right um and focus on that part of the, the greater Vancouver area. I mean, my dream is that most folk use a park and ride and don't drive in. Not because I've suddenly become environmentally friendly. I just want a clear road for when I'm driving in so that I can just get straight to the car park and, and get a parking spot. So selfish, as always, that is that is my way. But the thing, when people have been criticising where this is going to be, I think what people have to understand, and this is why it's taken five years, a new football team does not have the pick of a land in yeah. any city that it wants to go to to build a stadium. Here, especially the way that just houses are and real estate is, land is at a premium. You're not suddenly going to get a city, a municipality that's going to go have this wonderful bit of land just to bring a football stadium on it. Well, I mean, just look at it with the other uh, professional football club in the area they have yeah. a, a much much richer owner who has tons of land and still couldn't get yeah. his, his own stadium the way he wanted it so um, yeah. i i think this is the best that that they could have got and that it, it's it's a nice venue it's going to look pretty funnily enough a few days before the announcement i was up at the, the event centre for a provincial B-Cup game on the pitch behind where the stadium's going to be. And if it's night games, the the wonderful ambience of the frogs 
is going to be wonderful for, for people to see. So many be, frogs. You won't be able to hear them, Michael, I don't think. No. I, I wonder I if the noise might disturb them. Is that maybe going to cause some kind of... It's going to be Exodus. a petition. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> anyway. So, we, we know that Langley and Surrey and a lot of these areas, they've got a, a rich footballing history and a rich footballing community. The the Valley have shown through like Langley United, Surrey United, who were both represented at the announcement on Wednesday. Their youth teams are, are huge. And I feel it is very important for this club to engage with all these teams and also the adult teams that say play in the Fraser Valley League or even the, the VMSL, there's a lot of Valley teams that play in that. They, they should be working closely with this and I think they will be just to en- encompass everyone and to hear everyone's point of view because for too long in, in, in this area, it's kind of shut out or a lot of groups feel a bit shut out and like, We've heard about that as well a little bit in Alberta. We we spoke about it in previous shows as well. You want to get all these groups on your side. Now, Zach, as someone that's lived there, you know what the support is like there. Can they fill this stadium? I think the answer is probably yes, they can. But will they on a regular basis? Well, I think that's the the goal, right? I, I think whatever the capacity is, the goal will be to fill it. And uh, it will take work. It will take um, doing things in, in the right way. Um, but I definitely think that there's a, a good probability that they can. Steve, do you think a, a large community from Surrey would be wanting to, to come through to this game? I mean, they, they all have the choice. They can travel through to, to this team, or they can jump on the Sky Train and, and travel downtown to the Whitecaps. Now, the two teams are not necessarily going to be competing with each other, but there's inevitably going to be some clashes. And when money's tight, sometimes you have to make the decision one or the other. I think there will be, and especially with the novelty of being the new team and everything like that, I think initially they definitely will get a swell of player of people um, coming to these games and selling out. Um, it's just a matter of maintaining it. And um, and the biggest thing is to make sure that everything runs smoothly on the day of the matches. And that's yeah. your biggest selling point uh, for people that want to come because you want them to come back. And you don't want... Uh, obviously, they're going to have people that do, do get season tickets, but the walk-up, uh, Vancouver, BC area is known for a walk-up yeah. kind of crowd. So you're going to expect that a lot. And you're going to have to really sell them on the day of the game. You look around the CPL at the moment, and there's a lot of empty seats at a lot yeah. of stadiums, and that's always going to be a concern. You look around MLS, you look at BC Place, and there's there's empty yeah. seats uh, around it at the moment as well. Montreal today, a lot of empty seats there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's always a hard sell, Zach, but, I mean, you're involved with the, the supporters group, the, the Fraser Valley Fanatics, which is their current name. I don't know if that's been decided that's going to be the final name or not. I know it was kind of a placeholder. H- how do you see the the next couple of weeks and months f- for this group p- fanning out? And do you want to put a shout out to people that want to get yeah. involved? Yeah, if you want to get involved, um, you can uh, you know follow us on Twitter, get in touch that way. Um, I, I mean, yeah, 
it, it's uh in terms of name i think we'll wait and see i mean names and color and all that kind of stuff we'll wait and see what the the official things are right um, because i think those those might influence it although i think yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how all that plays out hopefully in a, in a good way but um no if people want to get involved right now uh the, the couple of things that are happening is we just we've had some meetings on zoom over the last fall and um and just recently and the next one's scheduled for uh april sunday april 24th in the evening so if people want to be involved with it, they can uh they can message um they can message me directly or message by twitter the email address is just fvfanatics at gmail.com so people can email there or they can follow on twitter dm on twitter um or just uh, message me or email me Excellent. The next stages for the team, as mentioned, probably around June, we're going to get the announcement. We'll see the stadium renderings and they're going to re release the name of the team, the colours, the whole identity, crest, everything like that. I've seen some fun speculation online as to what the, the name of the team could be. Let us know what you think this team should be called. Get in touch with us at AFT in Canada or AFT in Canada at hotmail.com. You can shoot us a, a, a thing. Steve, what what would be the name that pops into your head that, that you could maybe call this team? Well, the, 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 considering uh, the Pacific FC has that kind of like watering kind of thing, um, I think Valley, something Valley in there. Um, either Valley United, especially considering you want to unite the Valley itself. So Valley United would be a good uh, starting point. Uh, but... I'd have to think about it to get a really good idea, but I think that would be a good starting point of, of like a initial thought of where it could be. Cause you're, you got the Valley versus Pacific kind of thing, like ocean versus land. Also you would have VU. So you could have the kind of like velvet underground v, VU kind of yeah. logo that you could turn up with the, the volume and you could turn that up to max for the, yeah, the exactly. noise and everything. There's, like that. there's a lot of good options there with that. Yeah. With the Zach, you might know a little bit more than us, but you might not want to give too much away, obviously. But what would be your dream to call this team? I think they won't go with United just because there's already a United in the league. Um, ah, but, those, but I, those, those pesky mascot killers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but York? I, 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 yeah, but that's, yeah, on York. The, that's on the East Coast, though. I think you, there's a lot of how many FCs are there and stuff like yeah. that, too. Yeah, I, I I'm not saying I don't like that idea, Steve. I actually do like that idea. Oh, United um, Valley, switch it around. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's not gonna work. It's not Germany. Yeah, definitely don't call yourself the United Valley Fanatics because that if you shorten that, you're gonna get a whole different range of people following you. Um, no, uh, I think my my favorite suggestion is something I don't think they'll go with. So I'll I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> I, I've um, seen a lot of folks saying to play on like the Fort aspect with Fort Langley. Oh, Fort would be a good one too. Yeah, yeah, Fort for sure. Like Fort Fort FC or something like that. Yeah, that could also be the name of the supporters group, the Fort. There's, it, there's, it ties in with all the, the other imagery that they've got. I know it's a different kind of Fort. Yeah, exactly. And then there's already a Fort when it comes to supporters in North America over in New England. Oh, of course. Their, their yeah. section. I don't know if it's a group or the section or both, but yeah. I think it's the two guys with the flag. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, here's the, the bottom line is this. In the same way that there are some people, you know, the whole Surrey Langley thing, 
there's uh, people who don't like the fact that it wasn't in, it wasn't put in survey, right? Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to name and colors and badges and all these things, it's the same thing. There are oh, going to yeah. be people. There are going to be people who think that whatever's chosen is going to be the worst possible decision, and they're going to be people like, oh, okay, I get it, or okay, I'm fine with that, or oh, that's cool, or whatever. And same thing with colors and, and badges. Well, and yeah, so, you're never you're never going to please everyone. All I'm saying is that the the name and the colors. Right, because I've seen lots of people say, "Oh, it's got to be this color. It's got to be that color. These combinations, because of this reason, whatever." There's going to be people who aren't happy, right? No matter what they go with. And so, for me, it's like this: decisions on these things are not like the be all and the end all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh I think- yeah. I mean, as long as it's a black and gold tartan, I think we can all agree. Then that's that's <laughs> that's the way to to go. For- I go I go red, black, and silver. You don't that's see that that often. No, that would be quite an interesting one, actually. Brown. Bring back the brown, our beauteous brown. Same Polly, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for our chat about CPL. We're going to move on to the other big news that came out locally this week, football-related. World Cup 2026 could, stroke will, be getting played in Vancouver. And we'll be back chatting about that after this. This is Atiba Hutchinson, and you're listening to the AFTN Show. Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April, English post-punk band Susie and the Banshees. That was a single from 1981, taken from the band's fourth studio album Juju, their ninth single released overall. That was Arabian Nights. It peaked at number 32 in the charts. And I think we're all going to be enjoying some Arabian nights come the winter when the World Cup kicks off in Qatar and hopefully we will be enjoying some World Cup nights ourselves in four years time here in Vancouver after the fantastic official news this week that Vancouver is back in the running to host games come 2026. It had been long mooted that they were going to be back in, it was official now FIFA's mail drop that came out said, Following the submission of documentation by the province of British Columbia stroke City of Vancouver in order to join the candidate host city process with BC Place as the proposed stadium as well as recent inspection visit by a FIFA delegation, World Football's governing body has agreed to accept the city's candidacy. Right decision by all parties. Yeah, I just I, I just want to mention that I've been saying this for a long time that they'll be back in the running, even though you two were 
so down in the dumps over this, this before. I, well, I, I said, was because oh. it seems so final from the government here. That yeah, I knew, I knew it was going to come. I knew it was going to come back, and Vancouver was going to be a buy. They, FIFA would, FIFA would probably bend some of their rules in order for it to get Vancouver in there because they really wanted Vancouver. Well, yeah. they, especially for like a somebody was mentioning like they want to do the like one of the conferences or even do the draw. Yeah, they want, they want to have the draw here is the long-time rumour and FIFA's always wanted Vancouver in as a host city for a yeah. number of reasons. There's the track record from here from previous tournaments in 2007 with the Under-20 and World Cup and then the Women's World Cup in 2015. And the Olympics. And the Olympics, Don't forget that. Yep. yeah. Hosted the final here. And you've also then, you open up that Pacific Northwest Corridor mm-hmm. with a group being based... In, Seattle, in Vancouver and Seattle, yeah. which I, I think is... And I, even Edmonton, if you think of it, because yeah. Edmonton's still in the running. I mean, with, with uh, all due respect to Edmonton, this World Cup needs Vancouver and BC Place representing it. I'm not saying at the expense of Edmonton, before our Edmonton listeners start throwing things at, at wherever they're well, listening to this podcast from. But well, it's, 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 sorry, um, I heard on the broadcast today that Montreal's out for sure, right? Yeah, they Montreal pulled out. Uh, yeah. So that there would be three cities. That would be Toronto, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Well, there's three in the running, but that's not oh. necessarily that yeah. FIFA's going to Oh, I, I didn't three. know that. Yeah, okay. that, I, I, FIFA's going to make the decision in June as to what oh, okay. the actual final cities are going to be. I was so pessimistic, Steve, for a couple of reasons. One is that whenever I talk to people at the CSA who I trust, they would. They were like, and this was early, right? I guess they stopped asking them after a while. They're like, yeah, there's, there's no way back. Like this decision is final. Like they're like, I don't see any way back for Vancouver after the the, the government wouldn't support it, the provincial government. Um. So then after that, Steve, the reason why I was so negative is because I was like, I'm not gonna believe this until it's like done. Done. Like, yeah. yeah. I understand. Up and, I just want. I just want to give myself props. Oh yeah. No. I. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm. I'm really. I mean, it was a crazy week. I mean. Wednesday's announcement was crazy, and then you know, yeah. seeing the news before I went to bed on, on Wednesday, uh, and then waking up on Thursday, and yeah, this being you know being official, it was it was like man, what maybe the uh, maybe the announcement of Fraser Valley team propped uh, the FIFA to give no, it to it pushed them over, over no. the edge. Yeah, no, that had nothing to do with it. But but um, yeah, it is whatever has happened, whatever the. I know people. People COVID. want to know. Oh, did did? Oh uh, well, no, but people want to know. Did did FIFA take back some of the requirements? And therefore, the government's like, yeah. okay, fine, we'll do it or whatever. I honestly, I don't care about any of that. I just yeah. wanted to. I just wanted to be here, which I know is not great. From a hey, what do I have to pay in taxes or whatever kind of thing? But I, honestly, I don't care. I just. I'm, I'm I just exactly want to say. I just want to hear. I I, I get. And like the people that are saying, how can you waste all that money on this when you've got uh, like such homelessness in the city and all the issues in the downtown east side in Vancouver? The two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Exactly. Like, it's, not like, it's not like a government can only do one thing, right? Well, the thing is, it's the benefits to the city and the whole of BC that bringing the tournament here is, is going to have. It's estimated by the provincial government that hosting here in BC is going to bring over a billion dollars to the economy, both during the tournament and in the five years that subsequently follow it, just by putting it on the on the world stage to people that maybe don't know about Vancouver. Now, that, that figure is the gross value, so it's not subtracting the costs of hosting, which are going to be large. It's not going to be in considerable amount, but the benefits are there. And you would then hope to see in the economy... 
I mean, I mean, you look at the last two years. So many small businesses have been hit so hard. The tourism sector here has been yeah. Im- impossible. You've not had the cruise ships coming and all the money that that they bring. This is massive to yeah. to help get the city back on its feet, but also to to set it up for the future as well. Well, this that was the turning point for the government. The government's like, okay, we're in a bad spot tourism wise. This can help turn that around, or this can help give us uh, impetus for the future and all that kind of stuff. So, it, it, this is a, all a fun, it's all financial decision. Like, it's not like all of a sudden they were like, oh, it would be really nice to have the World Cup here. That's like, yeah, yeah. I, like, I like football more now. Or the Can- or people are like, oh, the Canadian the Canadian men's team is doing well and the women's team is doing well. Now they want it because of that. No, this is all about money. Yeah, that's yeah. all this has for the government. You're speculating to, to accumulate. Is basically what you're doing because sure. you know we're, we're and, putting this money out now, but we're going to yeah. bring it. We're going to really reap the and, rewards. And we saw the like I, I brought up 2010 before. Yeah, 2015 to a little bit, but 2010 when yeah. And and I kind of put the Olympics at the same stage uh, level of the Men's World Cup in a way. Uh, but the uh, the the Vancouver was not hard, done hard by by the Olympics. Like there, like other countries might have maybe overspent, but Vancouver didn't overspend. They already had the stuff in. Yeah, and it's very similar here that they already have BC Place in. So they don't have that massive expenditure of a stadium like the countries like Brazil did. Or yeah, there like must that. be reports, right, that showed what it did for the, the province, right? Yeah. For sure. I, yeah. I mean, even the the 2015 World Cup, I've got the reports of that for, for what it oh, did yeah. in, in the province. But like, as, as Steve mentions there, we, like we've got the facilities We've also got the infrastructure here in terms of transit and there's expansions and everything that's going on just now and there'll be there'll be more investment in that. There'll be more investment in public transport as well. We've got that track record from hosting FIFA tournaments. I mean, the, in the Women's World Cup, we hosted nine games here, including the final. Yeah. The, the facilities here are second to, to none. The training centre up at UBC... That is state-of-the-art. And you speak to players that see it for the first time that have come to the Whitecaps, and they're blown away by it. And these are some guys that's played and experienced it all over the world. It's a top-notch training centre here. And you're going to... That's what you think. I think the LEC situation with CPL could be like the secondary kind of local... Well, I was going to say, because you're now going to have that stadium. So what you're going to have is you're going to have teams that come here before they get the the tournament to have this as a base because it's a lovely place to have a base. It's it's yeah. on the whole going to be good weather. It's not too hot. It's not too cold at that time of year. You're going to have facilities to, to play out of. A team's probably going to base themselves over on the island and use like Langford as a facility. The new CPL stadium in Langley will probably be used as a base for a team. Back in 2015, you had the, the women's teams playing at UBC training up there, training at Empire, and Empire got new pitches put in specifically for that. So you are going to see that throughout the lower mainland as well and elsewhere in BC, that money's going to get spent upgrading those facilities that the local soccer players of all ages and all genders are going to get the benefits of from years to come as well. So you're going to get those upgraded. But back in 2015, the, the women were even playing at Trillium and training at Trillium, and that's a horrible pitch. Yeah. So I think things are going to be a lot better now and we're going to have so many top tier facilities and that can only work good for attracting future tournaments and other events here, I think, as well. So it's the big picture. And I'm just so glad that we're back in that big picture. 
Yeah, I'm cock-a-hoop. Now, talking of pitches, the big elephant in the room, of course, is the, the BC Place pitch. Now, it has been confirmed by BC Place that a grass pitch is going to be installed for the tournament. Will it be temporary? Will it be permanent? That hasn't been confirmed yet. I think we all probably hope for the latter, but realistically, it probably is going to be a temporary surface. But I, my understanding is that FIFA no longer want the kind of rolled-in pitches that we've seen in previous tournaments. There's been some horrible examples. I remember a pitch down in Seattle that mm-hmm. was brought in for friendly tournaments and stuff, and that cut up like nothing on earth. Was that you the Copa? What's that? Was that the Copus? Uh, the Copus I see, I couldn't remember if it was that or if it was... It might have actually been that one. Or if it was just some of the friendly tournaments that they've played. But even going way back to the day when we had that grass pitch put in at Empire, and that Oof. was horrific. Now, it was a period of rain that was like... Torrential. I, I yeah. think no matter what pitch, would have been absolutely flooded. Yeah. Th- those are the perils of doing something like that. BC Place obviously has a roof which brings its own problems and keeping the grass fresh and year-round yeah. and stuff like that. But there's technology that, for that. No. Yeah. The, the rain that we got during that period, uh, if it was nowadays, we would have given it a, a, like a special name for that, the rain they came <laughs> oh, yes. that time. <laughs> Atmospheric. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, I remember going up and looking at the pitch and it's like, oh man, that, it was just horrific the way that, that that cut up. But we do have a roof. So, I mean, there is that. But... That is like a drop in the ocean, putting putting a pitch into BC Place. Now, I'm, I'm speaking as if we're, we're guaranteed to be getting games, because I, I genuinely think we are guaranteed to be getting games. If we're back in the mix, there's no way we're not getting games here, because FIFA want one of the biggest stadiums in the country with a track record to host games. Toronto will be in as well. So... If I was to ask you both right now, let's start with Steve. Do you think all three Canadian cities will get games? Now, I'll preface this with what the Edmonton Stroke Alberta government have said. They wanted five games to invest $110 million into infrastructure, etc., etc. Now, Canada's only getting 10 games. So Edmonton would be getting five of those, which would leave maybe Vancouver with three, Toronto with two, or vice versa. That's not going to happen. No. So if that doesn't happen, do Edmonton pull out? Or do we have three teams, do you think, Steve, hosting in 2026, or three three cities? I think if that, I, I think if it's that kind of situation, I think there's only going to be two teams. I think they'll be like, I think they may give six to uh, Toronto and maybe four to uh, Vancouver. I I think two as well. I don't think Edmonton will get them, and not again, not if they have those stipulations where yeah. they, they they want five games. Yeah, I, they're not getting they're not I'll, getting five games. I'll preface that by saying I would like all three cities to get games because I think it's best for Canada to have more than just two host cities. If if Vancouver went back in and Edmonton had pulled out and it just left Toronto, Toronto weren't getting ten games. No. Canada would be getting no games because they weren't going to have it that there was just one host city in a country. So that is another reason that FIFA are really, really pushing for Vancouver to go in. But I think we'll get five and five between the two. Yeah, between Toronto and and Vancouver? Yeah. Yeah, when when I heard Edmonton, the stipulation that they, when that article came out or whatever, I was just like, 
there's no way i mean even even when there was the two cities of like there's no way that i i can't see them getting five games like even, like you said I, th- I thought okay toronto will get six and th- they'll get four tops and so does that mean that they're, they're not going to get that money that's needed to help you know with the infrastructure or whatever but um i can see them totally being left on the outside and i feel bad for them um they've been a good football event city obviously they've been horrible at the professional club level but they've been a good event city for um uh you know for national team games and the world cups u20 world cup u19 women's world cup all that, all that kind of stuff uh, white caps have had big friendlies there where they've drawn 35 yeah. plus um so i mean it is it is sad and unfortunate for those there and in alberta in general um that they they this could see them not get games at all but yeah i think that bc place makes aside from the potential grass issues bc place makes more sense um in, in so many ways and toronto i know people are like oh toronto and whatever yeah toronto's just going to be the stadium is just going to be upgraded people are like oh they don't have enough seats yeah that's yeah. fine the stadium is yeah. like is, is, is built in such a way that they can add seats all over the place in both ends they can add more than enough to get it to the 40, 45, that you, the minimum that you need. You know, like it's not it's not going to be an issue. It, it might also not, it might mean Toronto don't get the round of 16 game because they want a bigger capacity yep. venue for something like yep. that, which then obviously benefits us here. One thing I do want to say though is, and I genuinely mean this, I want all three cities to, to be host cities. I want all three cities to get games. So 4 3 I, I honestly don't mind. Like what the what the breakdown of it is, but four three three would make sense just with with Vancouver hosting the the round of sixteen because it's it's a a big stadium. Obviously, Edmonton is a bigger stadium, and you can get more folk in there as well. So, I mean, either of that, and I know by having three cities, it would cost us having maybe a couple of games here. But that is not what this is about. And something that really annoyed me was just. And you get it so much in Canadian soccer. It's the regional pissing matches. We've oh. talked about it before. No, it's let's like, not talk about it again. Let's get oh. behind all three cities. Let's just be so happy and so grateful that we are going to be hosting a World Cup in our country, wherever it is played in our country. And let's embrace it. Let's embrace all three cities and be happy for whatever games they get in whatever cities. Yeah, the, it's not going to happen, but that's what I would love just to happen. The stuff we saw on Thursday was is just is so frustrating. All these keyboard warriors need to get off their computers or off their phones and like spend time like other productive ways engaging with the game and the culture in their community and in our country. Like it's it's really disturbing. One thing I just want to correct correct Michael is actually uh, Com- Commonwealth currently because they've had and maybe this will change for the World Cup. But their current capacity is only fifty six thousand, so oh, it's really? not it's not that much bigger than than BC Place. Um, I don't know where they're taking some of those seats out because they wasn't were, that up at eighty. No, it was, no. was sixty six. Is the I think the biggest event they've ever had there. Oh. Yeah, sixty six. But um, but yeah, BC Place technically is what is it fifty four five. Oh well, yeah, four three three. Then with us having the the round of sixteen game. Yeah, that to me. That, that would be great. But again, maybe they add more seats for the World Cup. But who knows? Yeah. Let's see how many more we could cram in at, at BC Place and at pitch level as well. <laughs> Remember you the have people hanging. You could be people like lying on the roof watching from above. Mm. 
special sky yeah. boxes. Yeah. Oh my. There we go. We've solved the problem. But yeah, very exciting news. It's been a very exciting week. And we're going to keep the FIFA chat going now because we're going to bring you this week's TVOD. 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 Now, TVOD is our section where we talk about football on TV in all aspects, whether it's dramas about football, films about football, what players like to watch. And there was an exciting development this week because FIFA have launched FIFA Plus with the the aim to bring free football to fans around the world. So I'm just going to read you a little bit from the press release for, for people that maybe missed that this week. So FIFA Plus is aiming to deliver live domestic league games from around the globe along with like stats and archive material and original content and documentaries and a a lot more. In 2022, they plan to to stream free over 40,000 matches, 29,000 men, 11,000 women. There are going to be a a bunch of original programming as well. And I, I checked out a little bit of it this week. I don't know if you guys have had a chance. I, I since this part started, I actually put on an old match. Uh, no spoilers, but I'm watching currently the 1982 final between Italy and Germany. Yeah. Oh, I, I and, good uh, final and I, to watch. And then and just like three minutes ago or four or five minutes ago, I saw the part where uh, Italian player was clotheslined by the German defender and and got up to, to protest, and then the, the Ric Flair flopped to the ground, and then there was a, fl- a smoke bomb thrown just before the penalty was taken. And what a horrible penalty it was. Oh. It was a really bad penalty taken. So, yeah, so it's nil-nil still when, about the 28th minute. When I think of the 82 World Cup, I just think of the BBC commentary. And again, no spoilers. Marco Tardelli running away. That was a, that was a great tournament, actually, that 82 tournament. That, <laughs> that really was one of my favourite World Cups showing my age i i didn't watch anything like that i watched some of the mongolian premier league maybe won't be tuning into that again it was it was a bit of a one-sided match that i saw um with the ulaanbaatar team but it that's the kind of games you're gonna get on there actually it's not just that there there is top level games as well from europe well you if it's ulaanbaatar you gotta expect it to be one-sided the the guys they signed this past like transfer window is (laughs) they, they stocked up Oh, it's going to be hard to compete against them. Yeah. It, it did make me want to bring out my Max Splodge and Splodginess Abounds Mongolian-themed album that I've got. Maybe I'll make that our special Artist of the Month. Next month, we'll, we'll just have our Mongolian theme. I didn't really watch much, but I downloaded the app uh, today just uh, to look at it. And it's it's interesting. It's it's nice. It has a lot of the stuff, the like the archival stuff. The It's the archive the, stuff that's the, wonderful. The, the videos, the World Cup videos of the tournament that yeah. were on like Amazon Prime that I've watched, some of them. Um, so I'm excited to go through some of those. The the, the the league matches, so I just hit the, the the tab about whatever leagues, but I couldn't find anywhere that was like live, like anything that was live. But so like w- what countries are they going to be showing? So they, 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 there's Mongolia. Um, yeah. <laughs> They don't like have the, the Fairs League. I, I was disappointed that they didn't have the, the Fairs League. Now they've got the Swiss League. 
Oh, um, okay. they've I'd got some Scandinavian leagues in there, A League, which you can also just get yeah. on, on YouTube. Um, Nisa, N I S A, from North America, kind of third tier, I, I guess you would call. They had the the games up in that. They're they're adding a lot more, and oh. it, it has been a little bit difficult. I will admit to try and work out. They've got the Slovenian league. I did see that in the Slovakian league. They've got the Singapore Premier League. So they've they've got a lot from around the world, and I know it's going to be a, a lot of leagues that people probably aren't necessarily going to want to watch unless you're maybe from that area or you've got a specific interest in it. But I mean, how often have we said there's not enough football to watch on TV at the moment? Now we've got this, and it's all. For, it's never they're never planning on charging. It seems not. And what I like, we talked about the archive there, and. What they're planning to do is they want to have every FIFA World Cup and FIFA Women's World Cup match ever recorded on camera, which is more than 2,000 hours of archive content, available free for people to watch. So you can like relive full matches, highlights, goals, special moments, all, all in the one site. And for, for someone like me that I waste hours on YouTube sometimes looking at old things and I've got a lot of old VHS videos from, from World Cups back in the day and a VHS player that doesn't play them at the moment. So th- this is like ideal for me to, to have stuff like this, but it's gonna it's got stuff dating back to the, the 1950 World Cup. This is going to be a problem for me because do I want to watch Chippa United versus Stella Bosch or Marumo de Glance versus the Morocco Swallows? Oh, on, from the DSTV Premiership. I'm not yeah, sure. The, the Swallows are making a good run at the moment. I'm okay. all about Swallows. I would go back and watch all like all the all the World Cup matches. Yeah, that I mean that there's like, there's certain ones that stick in my mind that I'm like, oh, I'd love to see that again. That'd yeah. be fantastic. Well, I love the ones like I haven't I didn't watch before '94, like full games, right? Like I've never seen full games from before '94. Genuinely, so. the '82 World Cup is a, a fantastic place to start. There were some amazing matches in that tournament yeah. from the knockout stages onwards. And of course, that controversial Germany-Austria game that I will never get over. Was it nil-nil or 2-2? I forget. It was nil-nil and they just no, kicked no. the ball about. Like, Don't watch that whole game. Watch paint dry. That is <laughs> that is the better option for you that, than that. But you can see a little bit of what we've referenced several times in this show in the past, including to Axel Schuster. Um... But the fact that it is free, in, in this day and age, like, in all sincerity, like FIFA, you can criticise FIFA for many, many things, but to actually make this a free service, I genuinely think is wonderful yeah, in this yeah. day and age. Well, you, you guys have the UEFA one, right? Yeah. yeah Which is great one was, you can we, watch a lot of the games live. Yeah. And they don't have all, all of them. It's like select no. ones, depending on yeah. But that's good. Be being sold and, in and they have some markets. of the youth, the youth stuff on there too. Yeah. It's, it's good. So, I mean, this is good as well. And it's available just now on Apple and on Android devices. They are hoping to make it available for like smart TVs and everything like that. And basically, when it's available to get on TV or Amazon Fire Stick or things like that, then I'm really going to love it a lot more as opposed to just watching on my laptop or, or my phone. But they seem an- to, Sorry, I just wanted to interrupt because I was, I'm scrolling through all the games that are coming on tomorrow, and there's a lot of games on here. Yeah. Um, uh, but they got some MLS games. They got Bundesliga games. They got Premier League games. Like, But they're not all of them. There's just yeah. like a, a selection of a few. So 
I think you can actually watch some of the bigger leagues too if you wanted to. Sweet. I mean, it, it seems Benfica, a, Benfica versus Sporting. Oh, that's very nice. That is yeah, very good. And I, they, they plan to add a lot more leagues. I'm hoping at some point now I, I can actually finally get to watch the Scottish Premier League games again. Since, <laughs> but there, there's some interesting documentaries as well. I've not had a chance to to look at them yet, but they sound interesting. Yeah. There's a there's one on Ronaldinho called Ronaldinho, the happiest man in the world. Um, there's a a season all about captains. So it's speaking about to a number of captains about looking to to get to the World Cup, including Luka Modric, and people from Gabon, Vanuatu, Jamaica, Lebanon, and Thiago Silva from Brazil. There's a what sounds an interesting one about Croatia and how football unites and binds that country. There's a six-part documentary series about Danny Alves. Yeah. And just about golden boots and icons and academies. Academy and, films for a very... Yes. Yeah. Really I think many Canadians will be watching that one on Croatia. In the yes. But there's so much stuff there. Definitely check it out. And I... I, I sense that I, I I do complain that I haven't got enough hours in the day because I waste so much watching football. I am lucky in my way that my wife goes to bed at nine o'clock most nights because, <laughs> and I stay up till two in the morning most nights. So I've got now five hours to fill with FIFA Plus. What more could you want? We're not being sponsored by FIFA. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have that horrendous FIFA film on there at some point. The story is set blatter. I've never seen it. Oh. I've just heard it's horrendous. Yeah, I've never seen that. Maybe we should watch that and do that in a future TVOD. <laughs> mm. Then no one, no one has to watch it. We'll just yeah, we, yeah. We, can, we can watch it so no one else has to. But that is this week's TVOD. We're not doing this on a weekly basis, but we'll be back with another one soon. TVOD. I don't need a TV screen. I just stick the aerial into my skin. Let the signal run through my veins. TVOD. And that is also it for this part of the show. We're going to be moving away from the good news of the week now and turning our attention to the Whitecaps in the next part. You can always trust in them to, to bring the mood down a little bit on the show. And we'll be back with that after this. Hello, it's Kai Kumar and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. 
And kicking off this part from 1992, the epic 8-minute single from the Stone Roses. No, we didn't play all 8 minutes. From their self-titled debut album, I Am The Resurrection. Special little Easter song played there for you, Zach, and I'm sure you appreciate it. The Whitecaps nearly came back from the dead and resurrected their hopes in MLS at Montreal, but it all was destroyed by those pesky kids at VAR. They would have gotten away with it if it hadn't have been for those pesky kids. Denied their Easter miracle, the Whitecaps went down to a 2-1 loss in the Canadian Derby that everyone knows is the real Canadian Derby. And, yeah, a disappointing day at the office. We're going to unpack it a little bit in this part. So, general thoughts on the game, first of all, guys. It wasn't a classic. Even the Bellends and the rest of the guys in the stadium resorted to a wave. Yeah, wasn't a good one, Steve. No, um, the thing is, in Montreal, they, they got their goals early in each half, and then they just kind of sat back. Yeah. Um, for for Vancouver, except for maybe the last, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, whatever injury time, they, it was a very vanilla performance. Yeah. Like it wasn't even workmanlike. It wasn't like there wasn't, there didn't seem any effort. I, I, I'm not saying there wasn't any effort, but, um, but very vanilla performance. It's just like you were mentioning paint drawing before. I, well, it probably wasn't that much that bad, but it was getting close to it at one point. I mean, I, I saw a couple of comments online, Zach. And, uh, to be fair, uh, it was a couple of people that were at the game as well. They, they thought it was a great performance, a battling performance. It was a good day game, an entertaining game. I, I just, I didn't see that. I just, I didn't find this a riveting game at all. As as Steve said, Montreal scored at the start of both halves and did nothing else. And the Whitecaps didn't really threaten the score sheet. And once again... It took them to get to the hour mark before they actually decided to wake up and start playing some football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was sort of a tale of two halves, but yeah, I saw some of those comments as well, and I was a little bit surprised by them um, that uh, people were so up on the performance because it did feel um, it felt like Montreal was well in control and almost just kind of gave the game away. They didn't. Um, they didn't kill things off like they probably, you know, could have, uh, or, or should have, arguably. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the, the Whitecaps were were quite poor in in the yeah. in the first half and obviously the beginning of the second half. Um, I think they would have been very fortunate had the game been level like they they thought it was near the end. Yeah, that that was a point they would have stolen. Oh yeah. But at the same time, you can say they would have fought back from two goals behind. So in many ways, you earn it by, by doing that, no matter how you get it. But I just felt that the Whitecaps were ripe for the picking here. And if Montreal had just been a little bit more aggressive, they could have put us to the sword and put quite a, a few more goals past us. They just they didn't, they didn't inflict that deadly blow. They just didn't have that killer instinct. And we'll recap the game a little bit. I, I more want to talk about some of the other talking points that, that's come out of it. But 59 seconds in. Now, I, I got my kickoff times confused. I thought it was a one o'clock kickoff. So I was out with our dog and, and my wife. And I just happened to be checking something on my phone. And I saw the lineup was out. And I was like, 
oh crap, it's a 12 o'clock kickoff. So I listened to the first 15 minutes in the, the car driving back home and switched it on just as the game kicked off. 59 seconds later, the Whitecaps are one down. And I was like, oh, this is not maybe a game to rush home for. And then I watched the goal back uh, after the game, uh, as it turned out. I didn't get a chance to see it beforehand. And Georgi Mihailovic, he started the move, he finished the move, and there, there's a lot to dislike in this from a Whitecaps perspective. As the ball comes over, you've got two players that are in behind Ranko and Blackman, Mihailovic and Kyoto, two of the most dangerous guys that Montreal have. So they're behind your two centre-backs and they're played on side by Javain Brown that is too deep. And Mihailovic makes no mistake, buries it, 1-0, and it was another poor defensive goal, Steve, that the Whitecaps gave up. Yeah, bad individual error by Javain Brown. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't played too much this year. Um, a lot less than what we expected at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, bad. Like if he had just stayed where it was, it would. He did, those two players would definitely would have been offside, and there would have been no goal. Um, I, I'm not sure what he was thinking as well. Like, like he could clearly see the line set up at the top of the box, and uh, his positioning was off for sure. I I, uh, I I totally agree with you guys. Brown looked awful on the goal line. So I'm getting lots of criticism online for that and more uh, in, in this game. I think it's also worthy to note because I've heard this previously and I haven't always picked up on it. But um, one of the concerns about having a young keeper is there's many aspects of their game that they need to work on. And for Thomas Assal, one of the things I've heard him criticize before about is his distribution and the play actually starts with a, a clearance of his or a ball yeah. forward from his that it wasn't really good and it kind of kind of went right to i think it was mihailovic i think yeah. he won it and and so i think that's something that um the coaching staff will be you know yusuf and the coaching staff will be concerned about or maybe something they'll highlight this week in training to to work at because that the whole thing starts with a bit of a, a poor play from us all and then when mihailovic wins it he has so much room ahead of him just oh, to yeah. run as well. That That's the other aspect. But then, uh, yeah, there's fault in Brown for sure. But I don't think that Ranko or Blackman even looked behind him to see who was behind him. Yeah, and I heard them that, getting some criticism for that too today. Yeah. And when you're, when you're creating a high line and whatever, you don't expect two players to be... They were probably as surprised yeah. as everybody else that, you know, how did these guys get also open and uh, be on side? I mean, I, no, I, I also think there's some bad. Uh, there's just overall bad communication, whether it's the goalkeeper uh, Hassal or the the, ba- the 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 defenders themselves, not getting Brown in line to where they are. Like yeah. there has to be some communication there to get everybody on the same page. And not to jump ahead, but this wasn't. This was this, the same issue happened on the second goal in terms yeah. of being in line. There's also there's been so many goals that they've given up this year to to players that are just open and have Why all the time in the world it seems to be to to pick their spot. And and, and I think a lot of this and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but uh, a lot of this has to do with the rotating in and out of defenders. Yeah. Defenders yeah. have to be together a lot and have the yeah. build the chemistry where they don't need to communicate just by like simple motions or 
just knowing where they need to be at every point of the game. They you can't rotate out that many times players just because you know somebody had a good practice or somebody was scored a late goal and they deserve to start the next game. No, you got to play with your five guys. Other positions, sure, you can rotate in and out, but your back three with and mostly the fullbacks got to be in there day in and day out. I, I, I agree. I agree with you, Steve, and that's totally. why it's been so concerning that. Uh, Christian Gutierrez has not been playing on the left wing. Um, like to me, he should be there every, every game. And yeah, what are you talking know. about? I thought he's a center back. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have center backs anymore. Well, at the end um, of the game, there yeah. literally wasn't there wasn't a real center there really back. There really wasn't. The no, I no mean, wingers, no center backs. I I totally agree with you, Steve. And like Zach and me were actually chatting about that just before you you jumped on the on the show tonight. It's like. You're not allowing players to get a run in the team to get that chemistry going. And Vanny's spoken about he doesn't want like regular starters. He wants to, to mix it up. It is detrimental at times to do that. You've got to give these guys a run in the team. And like Gutierrez, he's in, he's out of the team. And you saw in the second half a ball that he sent in from a free kick. It was the best delivery we had in, in the whole afternoon. And he is capable of that. But his problem is he hasn't been consistent. But you don't get that consistency if you're not playing week in, week out. Yeah. And, and the, re- the reason why I think this worked last year is because winning cures everything. If you're yeah. winning, it doesn't matter if you're chopping and changing, right? If you're, if you're on like that run, that yeah. unreplicable run that they went on last year, it covered over so many cracks because well, yeah, because we, so we, well. we joked in the show about oh we don't even know what lineups going out there or who's playing in what position, but you're getting the result, so it works. Now it's not working. No. So now you start to question it a bit more. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing to talk about in the the first half was uh, the the injury to 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 Ryan Gold. So, twenty ninth minute. He goes down heavy. It's a challenge with, with Alistair Johnson. For me, it wasn't a foul. I know some no. folk thought it was a foul, but Gold just hits his head very hard off the ground. And when you see it from one angle in particular, it's particularly nasty. Yeah, I actually think that if there were more context, I think Gold would have been called for the foul because he was the one late getting in there. Alistair Johnson was mm. clear getting in there. Um, yeah, th- Really, it probably saved him a little bit because it was grass instead of turf. Um, but uh, really hard hit into the ground. You could see his head bouncing off. Uh, I, I was a little bit surprised that he even came back on the pitch at one at that yeah. point. So, yeah. was, so was I. But obviously, the medical staff cleared him, right? They have things. They have oh yeah, uh, and, absolutely. Well, well, they have an independent uh, doctor or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that, that actually like uh, does those uh, concussion tests. They're not associated with the team at all. And and often it can take a few minutes to 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 show the symptoms. Sometimes it can be the next day, really, before a, a lot of the symptoms come. Very but much true. Twelve minutes later, he he does go off, and the concern for me here with him is this is the second concussion that he's had in in the space of a couple of months because he, he's. But they haven't confirmed it's a concussion yet, right? I mean, oh, no, it, it yeah. looks like it looks yeah. like it is, but they haven't confirmed that yet, right? Yes, that, that's a, head, a very good injury. point to make. It, it, right now, he is showing concussion symptoms, yeah, but they are being monitored daily to to see, and he's got he's got the full support of the doctor and the medical team. So yeah, it's not a concussion; it's a it's a possible concussion. Yeah, but that that is my concern because he did suffer a concussion pre season 
It was the end of the first half of the, the last pre-season match with the, the LA Galaxy on February 16th. And he went into concussion protocol and then he was rested and didn't play in the, the Blues versus Whites game. And then recovered, was cleared by the, the medical staff. But that was on February 16th. So now, two months, exactly two months later, another possible second concussion. And that starts to get a little bit more concerning because we've seen it with other I, players over the years. Yeah, but I would say it's more, we don't, I, I, I don't, I, that game wasn't televised, right? The one no, against, no. so we don't know what situation occurred there. In this situation, it wasn't like it was a, a not like just a head clash or whatever. He took a serious hit. Like yeah. anybody would get a concussion out of that. The fact that the other one, like if it, if it was just a simple tap on the head or, or something like that, a hit on the head, then I would be more concerned. But this was a, this was an, enough of a serious like thing where it, 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 the fact that it's a concussion and he had one before, it doesn't really concern me as much. Um, if, I, I don't know if I'm making it clear what I'm trying to talk about here. No, but no, it, yeah. for, for me though, Steve, I'm, it's, I'm sort of, I think I'm the opposite of you. To me, the fact that he had a concussion and then he has a second knock to the head, because my understanding, my limited understanding is that the more this happens, obviously the worse it is or the worse it can, it well, can yeah. be. Like they because can, it's it, like it, happened to my, it happened to my wife because she oh, had okay. a concussion, a mild one, but then she got a really heavier knock a few months later when she was getting out of a, a vehicle at work and it was a low roof and she whacked her head on it and she was quite bad after that second one. A lot worse than the first one. Obviously, everyone's well, different. Yeah, yeah. But we don't know if this is a cumulative thing or is it like, oh, uh, the, the, that concussion was a separate issue from this concussion. Yeah. That's the thing. There's no yeah. way to know that. Only the doctors would know that. No. I, all, all I'm saying is I just get concerned with this. Yeah, you look at, for like, sure. T Taylor Twellman's spoken a lot about this over the years as well yeah. and everything that he went through. And it's still a field in the game that I don't think we know enough about. And we're a lot better at dealing with it now. Yeah. And you, you think back to the 2014 World Cup and that German guy that was concussed and then came back on and she really shouldn't have come back on. And oh, that was, that was well, that was... I can't remember. You hit the yeah, like yeah. yeah. Well, that was clear that the guy was like dazed when he was on the pitch, and I I was like screaming at the TV, "Why is this guy still?" Yeah, on the that pitch? would that wouldn't happen nowadays. No, yeah. no, and, and the good thing well, about not at that level. That, I've seen it in local games where yeah. it's like that guy should not be coming back on. And the thing is, it's good on Gall that to recognize that he wasn't feeling well. It's like some players would try to play through yeah. it, and it's good to do that. And 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 it might have saved him because he might he might have gotten even further injured. Yeah, because you can see right away. Yeah, you could see him mouthing like "I'm just dizzy" or something like that. I just yeah. uh, like I, I could have sworn he said that something like that. You can right. definitely see it in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't take any risk with that. So I think the White Caps did a, a good job that with that, and they are going to monitor him. So fingers crossed that isn't too bad. It's a full recovery, and we we see Ryan back on the the pitch soon. But with gold going off, the team moved to two number eights instead of an eight and a ten. Uh, Pedro Vite came on, and then there was more changes at the half. Cava came on for Caicedo, and White certainly looked a lot better playing alongside Cava. He was invisible for much of that first half. And we didn't really get a time for this new lineup to bed in because two minutes in at the second half, it's 2-0. It's another strong start to the half for Montreal. And th there's so many things in this goal that annoyed me even more than the first one. 
because Berhalter loses the ball at the halfway line and it's Mihailovic that, that picks him. Yeah. And it, it was a weak ball to lose, but Mihailovic made the most of it. He powered no, forward. No foul, right? No foul. Yeah. yeah. No, not folk thinking it was a foul. No, no. I was, I was asking. Oh, I was, I, I'm he, just he, curious. He sort of goes like, down, right? Yeah. He sort of goes down as he loses it. Yeah. For me, not at all. And Mihailovic made the the most of it, and then he played it out to to Ibrahim, who then plays it back to Mihailovic, who then plays it inside to Kyoto, right in front of goal, seven yards out, buried. All three of those players, so much time in the world to pick their pass. Yeah. And that is what is so annoying. It was so easy to pick apart the Whitecaps' defence in that goal. Well, they, they were part of it was, this is what Steve has talked about all along, is Berhalter gave the ball away. and So therefore, was he's one of the shields on the yeah. midfield, and he was out of the play. And if you watch the play, there's a one angle from behind. You can see Russell's just... Try, booking it to try and get back to help, but he's like way behind the play because I think he, maybe he was more even more forward than Berhalter at the yeah, time. Ever, but yeah, so he, they had no help. But then they also individually did not handle it well at all, especially especially Jake. Yes, yeah, he was burned on that one. But it, I mean, the Steve, the passing was so simple for Montreal. Yeah. It was like almost like foosball, like you just you throw it this way, this way, and this way, and then the net. But Mihailovic had an excellent game for, for Montreal, goal and assist, and he's the guy that's making them tick, and it's like four straight games with a goal now, which matches what, what he's, he had last, last season. So, I mean, all good stuff. But then the hour mark came, and the Whitecaps started playing, and Kava... Had the ball in the back of the net in the 63rd minute. Rightly reeled off for, for offside. Wasn't even close, despite what Stephen Caldwell was trying to <laughs> get us to believe in the commentary. I know he thinks it was kind of maybe a square ball. And I I, I do kind of see where he's coming from, to, to be fair. But it, it was... It looked offside live. And then you see the replay and it was definitely offside. So that was disappointing. Because I think Cava was running away, doing some gestures to the Montreal fans at, at the time which is always unfortunate. But then three minutes after that, 2-1, and Kava had a big part to play in this as well. The, the decoy. The, the decoy bicycle kick. Is that what we're calling it? I like that. It was a dummy bicycle kick. It was. I, a, bit, a bit harsh to call him a dummy for doing a bicycle kick. but he, I said a dummy bicycle kick. Oh, sorry. I didn't call sorry. anyone a dummy. He does love a, a bicycle attempt. Nothing simple for Kava. Let's just go for the dramatic but it seemed to put everyone off. And then the ball ran through to White, who finished nicely. It was a, it was yeah. a good finish for White. First goal of the season. And from nowhere, the Whitecaps are suddenly back in the game. That's a, like there were there was a moment before, too, where Cavallini was just like all over the pitch, like like high boots, uh, uh, jumping in the ground, bouncing off people. It was like this utter chaos in like what he was creating in the box and everything. I what think that's it? where... You What's coined a phrase for it. Yeah, like something like I combined Kava and Chaos. And so it was like Kavas, Kavas or something like that. I don't know how you're going to pronounce it, but it, it was like it was like nuts. The guy's like, sometimes he's just unhinged. He's like, uh, Zach will know this. It's like when you get that hot tag in the tag team wrestling and then the, the one guy comes in and just like yes. starts pounding on everybody back and forth and left and right and everything like that. That's the way he is when he plays in the box. He's our Luchasaurus. Yeah, I would say that. I would. That's a good comparison. 
But like even at the end, if in like him and one Yama were like squaring up as well, and he's got a big laugh and grin on his face. He loves he lives for this. He loves it. Yeah, and he he managed to stay out of the book today, right? Somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I lost money great. in that. <laughs> Disappointing. <laughs> but I mean the the white caps were right back in it at this point. But the from a Montreal point of view, frustrating that they've let the White Cats back in the game. From a White Cats point of view, we were back in the game, and then we didn't. We didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't do anything. And then, and, and, and Montreal was losing it too. They were like falling apart at the seams yeah. at that yeah. point too. They they should they should have been more taking advantage of that at that point. Well, I mean, afterwards, uh, Wilfred Nancy said that they tried to sit back and defend, and this is a team that can't do that. They're not set up to do that. They don't have the personnel to do that, and it showed. But we didn't have the, the personnel to take advantage of them not having the personnel, no. and that is part of the issue. But then it looked like we'd salvaged a point. Three minutes into stoppage time, absolutely great header by St. Ricketts. He took it so well, and it was a, a great ball win from Russell Tiber as well. He gets a lot of stick from people and from us on the show. That was a really great delivery from Rusty. Great, well met by Ricketts. Lovely header. As soon as I saw the first replay of the goal, even before VAR was mentioned, I shot a message to you guys in the group going, yeah, he's come back from an offside position. Yeah, it, it was clear it was going to get called. I, I, I'm personally, I 100 by the rule. It's a, it, it should be a no goal. But I'm not a big fan of this rule, and I, it's not just today's game. I, I've seen it in other times. Like, uh, like if you're, like if you're able to get yourself onside at, at that point, once you you make contact, I feel like it should be uh, free to go through. I, I, I'm just not a big fan of the goal. I feel like it, it, it takes away too many goals. Like I'll remember, Steve spent. Uh, significant part of his life watching uh Rude Van Nistelrooy do this often. Yes. <laughs> well, did he? I don't even remember. Who oh, yeah, he did. Right. Yeah. Oh. He's like he's like people in Zagi, born offside. <laughs> yes. Um I've seen, I've seen Darren Maddox do a lot of it. <laughs> did he ever manage to get back onside? <laughs> no. I think currently he's offside. Yeah. I and and poor old Scooter. Oh yeah. What what happened to him? I saw your tweet. I wouldn't yeah. have known it was for, for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, he was bought out of his contract by San Antonio that he just joined. And it's like, I don't know what's going on there. In, but... his, in, in, in Texas, where he grew yeah. up. That's yeah. a rapid decline of a, a once promising career. The road to Man United is getting more sticky as it comes. <laughs> I I don't know that he'll make it in Europe now. I, I'm 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 going to put it out there. I don't think he's going to get that big transfer. Do you have money on that, Mike? Well, I, I don't, depends if Robbo takes over a team, I guess, and maybe maybe brings them back. But um, let, let's move on from that and back to this goal. So yeah, the goal was chalked off. It was the right decision. There's no complaints. Montreal, I think, worthy of the three points, as we said at the start. It would have been a little unfair. I'm. I'm going to disagree with you. I think there was somebody who was wanting to put a complaint through because Tosin Ricketts at the end, at the final whistle did not look happy at all. I think he, I felt like he wanted to punch somebody out. He didn't look happy after he put the ball in the back of the net. To be no, fair. I'm talking about after the final whistle. I said I know, but he didn't. He didn't even look happy when he scored. Oh, oh, didn't he? Okay, wow. I didn't remember. No, he did. He did was he? like, yeah, he was all like, was oh, maybe crazy. maybe it's when he thought it was going to get called back and they showed you that. Oh. Yeah, but initially uh. he was like all over it. He was. But he was having it. it's another defeat. A couple of things I just want to talk about coming out off it. 
the subs. Now, they made sense in some regards, but in another way, they didn't make any sense. It was a bit confusing. As we touched on, we finished the game without a recognised centre-back on the pitch. You had a back three of Jake Nerwinski, Michael Baldissimo, Christian Gutierrez. I think that was how we finished the back three. It got a bit confusing at times. Yeah, it was it was it was strange. And because even when they made that, when Guti came on, right? I said to you, I said, yeah, because he came on for rank. Was it Ranko? I can't remember now. No, Toss came on for Ranko. Oh right, yeah, right. Toss came on for Ranko. I think Guti uh, but- came on for Brown, or did Raposo come on for Brown? Was only that was the same time. Anyways, it, it, yeah, it was it was it was a shambles at the back there. You literally had no one yep. who was an actual real center back, and it was just like, sure, if they'd scored, if they got that equalizer, it would have been like, hey, yeah. who cares? But I mean, to be fair, they was, weren't tested, so I mean, it could just have been no, that Vanny was like, Montreal's got nothing; they're not going to test us. We may as well go for this and just if we lose three one, well. We lose yeah, no, and, and that's fair. But you, I also, the other side of it, you have to think, okay, you have to be a little bit worried of like a Kai Kamara, right? Like, you know, maybe not for his pace, but just for like getting on the end of something. Yes. And you know he, he wanted to score up, badly. Yeah, he would have been up for that game to today big time. I, I, don't, I don't understand some of the positioning of the players and some of the personnel decisions. The team feels like a bit of a mess just now. And yes, they're missing pieces. And yes, it's some key pieces. And yes, we might be missing some more, depending on if if Gold has to sit out any games or whatever. But there's so many more questions about the team just now, just than these missing pieces. And I think one of them has to be, you've got a squad for a reason. That's what we're always told. And Vanny's made it clear he wants to use this squad the depth of this squad is not good enough to compete and get us points right now when our key players are out. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, the 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 whole. I mean, don't want to bring this up all the time, but the whole the whole thing from last year of oh, we were we were so close, or we or we did we were good enough last year. We think we're fine the way we are. We're just going to kick on. Was. Uh, a really bad decision and it's playing out in the first whatever seven games of the season really really poorly for axel and 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 the club and, and it's not just oh hindsight's a, a great thing we said that right away it's like yes. alarm bells were ringing oh like, yeah this team is not good enough if no. we do not make and, strong and, additions and the reason why you know the whole term lightning in a bottle is uh, yep. used in this thing is because it's very hard to catch lightning in a bottle yeah and so don't try to replicate the same thing with that no yeah. and, and and i mean the crazy thing is i'm i'm seeing people in the fan base who are saying that they're not good enough who are people who usually don't say that yeah i have seen that as well which I, is like, I, I'm the, like the, wow. the pressure is mounting on vanny here and you've also got this valor game looming next month as well and you know you know what this yes. tournament and this championship does to, to managers and to this Whitecaps team. P- Where, yeah. Where's the game? Is it in Winnipeg or is it? No, it, it's at BC Place, but Phil DeSantis oh. is going to be so up for this. I was just going to say it's going to be hard to track like burgers being ordered after midnight in Vancouver. <laughs> it would be easier in Winnipeg to figure out who is being ordered. 
I mean, that, that like in all seriousness, that is a, a game that looms large and Valor will be licking their chops at the moment at facing this team. And we, we are missing key guys. And you've got Caio Alejandri that was scheduled to be playing for WFC2 this weekend, but then broke his hand at training this week and could be out for up to eight weeks. Okay, explain that to me. Like, I know you have to let the bone heal and stuff, but surely at some point you just have a big cast and a big thing and whatever. Like, you, I, yeah, I think I, they're looking at worst case scenario. Okay. okay. And the, the, Maybe they're talking about that eight, eight weeks is for the hand to heal. doesn't mean he's not going to play for eight weeks. Yeah. Kobayashi, I remember, had a broken hand. Yeah. And, uh, okay. You yeah, put the club on it, you wrap it in. Yeah. yeah me, and go. me and Michael had a great outtake with that yes. one. That one we talked about. I'll bring that out for episode 1,000, along with the Alpen Club. <laughs> because by that time, we definitely want to call it a day at the show. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that... that, that I, I saw somebody left a comment on Facebook in one of the posts saying, are we sure that Kyle is actually real? <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. It, it does feel like that right now, him and Godoy. And, like, missing Godoy... Is, is huge. And I genuinely feel right now with the personnel they have and the way that things are going, they have to move away from a back three. Mm. Temporarily or whatever, this needs to go to a, a back four. They've I, got to shore this up. You, but that's not going to happen under Vanny. I don't it? think it is, no. No. He, he's almost so much he's going to tinker with. Yeah, I mean, I, I this I say this as someone that likes a back three as a formation I have for years. Yeah, and I just don't think that the personnel that we've got, but we're we have to start putting our best players in the positions that they're best at and that they excel at. And I want to see Christian Dahomey playing an attacking role. I want to see proper left back and right back and two central defenders. Is that too much to ask for? Yeah, I think it is at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I think it probably is, yeah. <laughs> Help is coming. Axel has said he's looking to make a trade before the window closes. Now, we don't know whether that means someone going out as well as coming in or just somebody coming in. Gam. Some gam, yeah. Um, we've, oh, we've oh, got gam coming out for years. That's yeah, we're, exactly. we're always told. So we have, They have so it. much of it, they're deferring it to future years. Yes. But, um, I mean, uh, as long as they don't do the whole... Um, Hey, Caillou's back and Godoy's back. It's like having new players. Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly now. <laughs> it barely flew preseason. Now it definitely isn't. One yeah. guy that does look like he's going to be coming in: twenty-five-year-old defensive oh, yeah. midfielder Andres Cubis. It's apparently a done deal. Uh, he's been playing in Ligue 2 with Nîmes. He was in Ligue 1. I just like making those noises, basically. Last year, uh, the rumoured transfer fee, $3.25 million, which would make him a designated player unless they can buy him down with allocation because they can't just... We've got an open DP spot, but it has to be used on a young DP because we've got three under-22 initiatives. So we'd either oh. have to buy him down or we'd have to buy Kava down or could this trade be moving Kava out since he is not starting for the team. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you know the deal's done when TSN mentions it, that they're and they, and they, yeah. I think it was Sartini even talked about the player and everything like yeah. that. Um, 
uh, for me, uh, when they say, oh, it's om- the, the deal is almost done, that's what they mentioned. The deal is done. It's just that they uh, they haven't been able to... Uh, 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 they just, they just have, they probably have to get the paperwork done for the visas and all that stuff. That's the stuff that needs to get done at this. Or point. we might see him Augustine, although yeah. he does, he does have a U.S. green card apparently. So that's. that's oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, really good. Then. Yeah. So that is. Good I, I saw some people making visa jokes this week. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a Boca Juniors Academy product, and Boca were apparently interested in bringing him back. He's previously played in Argentina. He's a Paraguayan. He's been capped nine times by Paraguay as well. Kevin Yoto at Fleck underscore Scout on Twitter did a profile on him that he tagged me and a few other people into. He says that he's had one of the best defensive stats in League One. League uh-huh. One. Sorry, last year. Notably in tackles in the defensive zone in midfield and on recovery of the ball through pressing, interceptions and blocks. Everything that we need right now from a defensive midfielder. He's aggressive. I like that. Hopefully managed aggression. Um, he likes to drop deep sometimes between the, the two centre-backs as well. He has penetrating passes that break down lines and he's calm under pressure. He does sound everything that we need in that regard. He, is he our new Matthias Laba? He should help in the midfield. He should shore them up, stop them conceding so much. Offensively, he just has three goals and four assists in 167 appearances. So you're not going to be getting a lot of maybe offensive output, but then we didn't from Matty Laba either. With so MLS, we'll... you get with MLS you get the second assist. So those stats might oh, jump up a little bit. They'll shoot up now from his long any, penetrating passes. Do you have any YouTube videos so we can see if he saunters back like Matisse? Oh, please, no. <laughs> I've just got flashbacks now of me yelling at him from the press box and turning to Steve and going, look, look. That's well, why Steve's I, not going this I, year. He couldn't take another year off it. I really like Matthias. That was I no, was, I, I do as as well. That and that part of his game annoyed the hell out of me. Um, I just remember he, the way Matthias used to run. It was like almost hunched over. Yeah. So, um, what's uh, who? So who's in an I two world? Who's this guy supposed to play next to? Is it Vite? Is it Caio? Is it? I would like, say does Kyle. He play, does he play by himself? And then they play. Well, two we all do at times. Them. As I said, uh, Caitlin goes to bed at nine o'clock often. <laughs> no, but seriously, does he play as a solo? Because you said he's, is he the new Lava. Yeah. Lava only Lava played by himself all the time. I, I think the, I think he is mostly a a, a solo guy. Aren't we all? But, so so then then and that means there's no Tybert or and no Berhalter or. Well, we can we can hope. <laughs> that that is the dream. <laughs> Because then um, you can have Vite and because then you might like you might be a solo striker where you have Vite and and maybe uh, uh, Gold behind that striker, give that guy more you know support from behind. And uh, I, I think we're probably looking at like a three-one-four-two. Uh, oh, okay. With him coming in, it is or maybe a three-one-three-one-two. Throw out numbers in any order here, but I. I think the dream scenario is he's in, Caio is in, Vite is in, and you've got them ahead of him, and then you've got your two wing backs, and then you've got Gold ahead of them, and then you've got your two strikers. 
anything's better than the one five six two or whatever we had this uh, after at the end of this game today. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think I've also given us a three one four one two formation there, so I've sneaked an extra player in. Maybe that is something that we could try. That might help us. It I might. Still rem- I, I still remember. I I want to I want to bring this back again. When Robo was on the on the radio with uh, a local oh. broadcaster, and he just threw like number after number after formation after formation for like a good thirty seconds, it was like thirty seconds of formation after formation because he kept asking about the formation, like, "Oh, do you want to play three one?" Uh, and then he just kept went off, and you could tell he he was taking the piss out of them. Because didn't he say something? Oh, I didn't know we we're going to get a math lesson here. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Whilst he looks a great addition and is going to help at that end of the pitch, it's certainly not the end of our issues and we need somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net. The only thing I can think of is we're going to get a trade and Cava's going to go somewhere and we're going to bring a striker in. I just don't know who that's going to be. Honestly, I think Cava, for for his ability to make the World Cup team at this point, he needs to go somewhere else. For him personally... I don't think he's going to make the World Cup team if he stays in Vancouver. I agree with you, Steve. I agree with you, Steve. Yeah, he. I I still want to see him white and gold. I think they can be an absolutely fantastic. They could, yeah, front three. Could. You, well, that, that was, I think, one of the upsides for Vancouver from the game today was White getting off the mark and yeah. kind of you know snatching at well, that one. I, after, I, I, I've said he's streaky, so hopefully this is the start yeah. of the streak because they've got a tough game coming up with Austin now next week. At least they've got a bye week now because of the Seattle game getting called off, which I understand why the league's done it. I don't like the fact that a lot of people from here have booked trips down there, some of them with non-refundable deposits because they're not expecting something like this to happen. It should maybe have been made a little clearer that that game could have been in doubt. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel for the people in that situation for sure. I think it's a step in the right direction for MLS. To, or I know they've done it. Before. I do as well. Like if we if we were in the final, <laughs> if we were in the final, <laughs> I would want that to be the case for us as well. Yes, and, and it they, might they be. do it in other leagues around the world. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that I think is it for the Whitecaps chat. Let's just get a quick prediction on next week. We're going to Austin. Well, did you see Austin's? Are you? Are you? Don't know. What I haven't yet, but you did, just tell me. Oh, dude, Austin played away to D.C. today, and we're down uh, 2-0. Was this the game that had a snow delay, or was that a I Dallas don't know. game or something? I don't know if it had a snow delay. All I know is that they were down 2-0. Uh, well, I think it was Ola Kamara, I think, scored both goals. And then in the second half, Ola Kamara got sent off. I think it was Ola Kamara got sent off for a second bookable offense. And then I think in the last, like, 10 minutes of the game, Austin scored three goals in one, three, two oh, <laughs> away wow. in DC. So I, they're going to be riding in high. They're going to be there. The, the home faithful are going to be very excited to see them and very excited to cheer them on. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I want to say three nil to, to Austin, but maybe three, one, I'll say three nil just for a different score. Okay. I was going to go three, one. So there we go. Steve. I will go two, two. Not the first time Steve's gone for a 2-2 on a Saturday night. Ola Kamara, by the way, is a guy that I have pitched would be a nice little swap deal for Kava. So maybe that could be our trade. His two goals today could muddy those waters. I think it's fair to say that the Whitecaps are in tough right now at the start of the new MLS season. 
seven games in. The standings at the end of the weekend sees them sitting in 13th, second bottom of the Western Conference standings, just four points to their name, one point better off than last-placed San Jose Earthquake, so at least there is that, but seven points back of the seventh and final playoff spot already, and they really, really need to kickstart their season. Can they do that in Austin next week? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But at least there was some good news from a Whitecaps perspective this weekend. Whitecaps FC2 got their first regular time win of the season. 2-1 victory in the Cascadian Derby against Tacoma Defiance. That's the rebranded Seattle Sounders 2 side. Played out a starfire on Sunday afternoon. Pipe gave WFC2 the lead in the 27th minute. They were pegged back before half-time by Tacoma. And then Emiliano Brienza, his first goal in MLS Next Pro, the match winner, with four minutes remaining, queuing jubilant scenes amongst the WFC2 team and a happy Easter for them. They now top the Pacific Division in MLS Next Pro and they are at home next Sunday at Swan Guard. It's a four o'clock kickoff against Sporting Kansas City 2. Get out to that one. This team is playing some excellent and enjoyable football. You don't want to miss that. But that is it for our Whitecaps chat in this part. It's not it for our MLS chat. We're going to be turning our attention a little bit more to this game, but focusing primarily on CF Montreal, as we are joined by Eve Powell from the Ballers Round podcast after this. I am Joel Waterman, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a band I really should feature more on the show. I've been a long-time fan of theirs. From Montreal, Quebec, Godspeed You, Black Emperor. And that is a song taken from their debut album, or I should say a snippet of a song taken from their debut album, F-sharp, A-sharp, Infinity, because it's a three-track album. The songs are very long on it. They're all over 10 minutes each. And that was from the second track, East Hastings. And they are a great band. I've played that for two reasons. One, on Monday night, I'm going to my first concert of the COVID era as I go to see former Artists of the Month here at AFTN and one of my all-time favourite bands from Glasgow, Scotland, Mogwai. They're playing at the Commodore on Monday evening. 
and Mogwai, an instrumental band, much like Godspeed You Black Emperor. But I was looking for a, a Montreal band to kick off this part. We've been talking Montreal, Whitecaps in the last part, and we're going to keep that chat going as we are joined now by friend of the show from the Ballers Round podcast. Welcome back to the show, Eve Powell. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> We're delighted to have you back. I did say midweek that we'd be talking about a Montreal win. And hey, we're talking about a Montreal win. Although, what were the nerves like in the stadium when that seemingly equaliser went in so deep in the game? Was that a case of, I can't believe we've given up another late goal? I mean, because Montreal has given up so many late goals in its history, I can believe it. <laughs> um, personally, when I watched kind of the run of play happening, I actually turned my back to the game because I said, I didn't know exactly how this is going to end. Um, so for me, I, I was fully expecting it, if I'm being completely honest. And I actually, uh, they did eventually show a replay of the, the buildup that led to the, the referee making the decision, but live, they, they didn't do kind of the freeze frame. So I actually did not believe it was offside until I got home and I was able to see the highlights and I was able to see, um, you know, what the referee had seen. Yeah. Cause we, we were watching it and we were just messaging in our group. And as soon as they showed the very first replay mm-hmm. before it had even gone to VAR and everything, I sent a message to the guy saying, Oh no, he's come back. And, and credit to them, I mean, this is Montreal's third win on the bounce, um, and they did not give up a late goal in either of their previous two matches. So I guess, yay, good job, Montreal. <laughs> but honestly, this, like I said, it's been a problem for as long as I've been following Montreal since 2015. Um, they they struggled to close out a game. You know, they, they seem kind of hell-bent on defending a lead kind of once you cross that 80th minute. And I can understand not wanting to commit too many players forward and such, but at the same time, if your defense has been as porous as Montreal's has been this season, for me, the best defense is a, is a, is a strong offense. And especially knowing that Vancouver had so many injuries going into this match. And unfortunately, Ryan Gold pick up, pick up an injury as well. Um, and hopefully, you know, that's not too long-term. Yeah, anyway, um for me, like I said, the best the best defense is a good offense and Montreal should have been way more um intent on keeping possession. Um they they seem content to really allow the opponent once they're they're trying to maintain a lead uh to have the ball. Yeah, I I listened to what I read Wilfred Nancy's comments after the game and he's basically said this, this is a team that can't sit back and defend and they're not set up that way they don't have the players to do that they need to be attacking but today like for me Montreal were worthy winners I I thought because I don't really think Vancouver they weren't in the first hour of the game and it's not the first time we've we've been like that this season we've struggled sometimes until suddenly the hour mark hits and we suddenly spark into life and it was the same today but I think Montreal were the, the better team overall, but they just seemed to lack that killer instinct. Like when it was 2-0, you could easily have gone on and got another couple of goals because yeah. we, were, we were ripe for the taking at that point. I agree. Um, like I, I, I don't mean to be you know insulting at all, but I, I do agree that over, if you take the whole 90 minutes globally, I think Montreal was overall the better team. 
And I think Montreal, if they had scored, say, a third goal um, prior to, particularly prior to Vancouver getting on the scoreboard, I, I think probably Montreal could have punished Vancouver because I agree with you that when Montreal scored that second goal, um, you know, there were some half-hearted offside calls for it. Uh, it, it felt like Vancouver was on the ropes. Um, but unfortunately you're correct in that Montreal's lack that killer instinct um, really in, in the two years that Wilfred Nancy has been coach or the year in a bit. Yeah. And like gr- great starts to both halves. So, I mean, you, you came out for of- once. Yeah. <laughs> Montreal started terribly all their matches so far this season. But no- nothing like after that first minute, because when I was just jotting things down from my match report, you had a couple of chances in the 32nd, 33rd minute. Yeah. And they came one after the other. But apart from that, there was nothing from you. There was nothing from us, but there was nothing mm-hmm. from you either. And it just felt, I don't know, you've got such good attack out there that I, what do you put that down to? Because I mean, looking at where you are in the standings mm-hmm. after this game. So like we're recording this like five o'clock Pacific time. So there's still a lot of action to be played o- over the weekend. But yet you're up to fifth in the East so you've scored 13 goals. You're the highest scoring team in the Eastern Conference. But today, it it didn't look like you were going to like get out of sight. I, I don't know. I don't know what that's down to. Honestly, yeah, this would probably be like the least offensive creativity that I've seen from Montreal so far this season, which is kind of ironic given that it was the what a lot of people call the true home opener. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, Ramel Kyoto has, it took him a while to get off the mark. He didn't until uh, the match versus Cincinnati. Or, sorry, no, that's why. <laughs> he didn't until the, uh, the match versus uh, Atlanta when he scored a penalty. And then, you know, things have finally kind of unlocked for him since that happened. But overall, I mean, for me, Lassie Lapalainen on the left, wing back position um you know you want your wing backs to be delivering a lot of service into the box via a lot of crosses and stuff and unfortunately you know last up lighting he is extremely right footed like he really is not able to use his left foot very well and so when we have offensive plays that go up to him um he really looks for a quick short pass versus attempting to cross the ball into the box for, for a potentially you know interesting aerial situation so that's kind of frustrating in that it feels almost like Montreal's kind of lost half of its attacking side. And Alistair Johnston, on the on the other hand, you know, he, I'm sure you've watched him play with the Canadian national team, yeah. you know, if you didn't watch him with Nashville last year. Um, he's a lot more conservative profile, you know, than I think your average right, right wing back would be. Obviously, he did deliver a great assist to Georgi Mihailovic in the first minute of the match. But overall, you know, I still get the impression that he's not at his his true position or a position that he's truly used to. And it and it does show a little bit when it when it comes to the attack. You know, he he is defending, I think, a lot better than in earlier matches, but nonetheless. Um and then as well, just going back to Lassie Lapline, and um, I think there's a lot of chemistry left to build between him and uh Georgie Mihailovic. Georgie Mihailovic is really good chemistry with I feel almost everyone on the pitch except for Lassie. Mm. 
I mean, if you want to talk, though, about players not in position, you just have to look at the Whitecaps team. We've got yeah. left-sided but... players on the right side, right-sided players on the left side. We finished the game today with no recognised centre-back on the pitch. Yeah, I know. That's like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, part of that is like, you know out of the control of the team though because i mean there's just so many injuries for vancouver right now yeah and i mean it's easy to to dismiss it as that but at the same time the players that we've got like th- this is why you have a squad and vanny has always spoken about he's never going to put the same team out one week to the next and he hasn't in all the games that he's been in charge so far there's always been at least one change so he wants to use a squad but i think today and recent weeks has shown that we don't have a strong enough depth at the moment. And we, we had centre-backs we could have left on, but we decided yeah. to take them off. And we, I, I don't know whether he thought, okay, Montreal's just going to sit back. They're not going to go for it. We may as well just go for it. And if we lose 3-1, may as well lose 3-1 than 2-1. Yeah. That's the only thing I, I, I can think of. I'd have to agree with you. Um, I, I would have to agree with you because I felt like at the end of the match, um, you know, they were really throwing the kitchen sink at Montreal. You know, it was... If Montreal had gotten a decent counter, there really would not have been much coverage left. Yeah. Let, let's talk about Jordi Mihailovic. So he's your leading scorer for the season. Four goals. But he got that fourth goal. That was just one less than the entire Whitecaps had scored up to that. I don't know if you... I froze there. because Sorry, you froze. Yeah. yeah my, <laughs> my Zoom said not responding. Ah, oh, this computer. It's ever since it does Windows updates, it just it never works afterwards. Right, let so me start weird. that bit again. Yeah. So let's talk about Jordi Mihailovic. So he is your leading scorer right now, four goals. When he got that first goal today, that put him on four goals to Whitecaps' entire team of five. It, it, am I right in saying four was what he got all of last season? You're correct. Yeah. yeah. What, what has sparked to him this season? I mean, we saw what a good player he was last year. There was rumours he might even move to, to, to Europe. Is he going to be the key guy for you, do you think, going forward then this season? Absolutely. Um, last year, uh, you know, uh, one of my colleagues at TBIR um, uncovered the fact that George, Georgi Mihaljevic had played kind of like the last month, I believe, of the season with a broken toe. So he, you know, he wasn't really in necessarily the best shooting form. <laughs> um when it came to when it came to that but overall I mean Georgi Mihaljevic he was able to serve up so many passes to teammates you know he finished second to Carlos Heel who was a phenomenal player last season but he did mention in his uh in his kind of preseason interview that he wanted to score more goals this season. This is a, a, a target he set for himself. Mm-hmm. And clearly, you know, he's, he's equaled his total from last season. I mean, seven games into the season, four goals, that's, that's a really good, you know, return on investment. And I fully believe that this is his last season with Montreal, should he finish the season with Montreal. Now, when I was on the ballers round just before the season started, um, I was trying to make a pitch to, to you guys that we would take Jonathan Sirwa off you and be nice, we'd give you Lucas Cavallini. Um, I said I would even take your good friend Johnson, who is now injured. As soon as I read that he was undergoing surgery, I thought of you. And I thought, <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if you're going to have mixed emotions because it means you can get rid of him now, but at least you don't have to watch him play. 
but I've, I've got a new pitch for you. Okay. Would you swap Lucas Cavallini for Romel Kyoto? Not in a million years. Not in a million <laughs> years. No, um, I think Romel Kyoto and Georgi Mihalovic have a great chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, they look good. Uh, yeah, no, and that's often how they've looked in matches, you know, even last year. Um, and uh, Romel Kyoto, he seems really at home in Montreal. You know, I mean, he had a little bit of a turbulent uh, past prior to coming to Montreal. Yeah. But he seems, yeah, he seems really at home here. Um, he seems to really enjoy playing for Montreal with the squad that we have. And I actually think it would not, like, I, I don't know if he would do as well even in Vancouver because he just seems to have found his niche. Yeah, I don't think he would. Like, we could have got him before he went to Houston. We yeah. were interested in him, we could have signed him. But I was talking to somebody today about him and I said, I guarantee you if he'd come here, the Kyoto that you're watching in Montreal is not the Kyoto that we would have here because for whatever reason, strikers come here and Brian White's maybe the outlier here, but they basically, they just die a death on, yeah. on the whole. And I, I don't know what it is, if it's just the way that we play, but I, I've always liked him. I think he's a good player. And I think in attack, you've got a very exciting team to watch. What Especially with Kai Kamara. No, yes. added as kind of like that X factor. Yeah, he would have loved to have scored today. I can guarantee that. I bet. And <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Kai. I just I wish it had worked out here. There was lots of murmurs that he denied and other players denied that he was like disruptive to, to the dressing room. I just think he didn't fit in what they wanted here. But mm-hmm. I, I I've a lot of time for him and I think he's still got still got goals in him, even at his age. Mm-hmm. And you're doing well offensively. Defensively, Very. though, you've given up the most goals in the East. Mm-hmm. And like watching the, them today, I, I don't see how. But also, not even just that, because when we were talking about Montreal at the start of the season, you look at the squad that you've put together, it's a very impressive squad. That is a squad that should be playoff bound. On paper, and, yeah. Yeah, defensively, it's a, such a strong squad. What what do you put down given so many goals up to then so far? So I will say to start the season, um, you know, obviously there there were kind of some changes and some comings and goings because Rudy Camacho came back to Montreal really late um, prior to preseason. So he wasn't quite ready to start the season. I think, unfortunately, Kamal Miller, who was truly a pillar of the defense last year, um, you know, if it hadn't been for Rudy Camacho probably getting as many header goals as he did last season I think Kamal Miller would have taken defensive player of the year for Montreal definitely the changes it wasn't instantaneous that the players along the back line clicked and then there there was some some reshuffling to start the season with uh Gabriele Corbo the player on loan coming in and kind of out of uh, out of the lineup sorry as well the wing back position remains problematic for Montreal and Sebastian Breza in goal, you know, he he really kind of stole the spot of James Pentamis uh, last season, especially after his performance in the Canadian Championship where he scored the, the winning penalty that, that sent Montreal past Forge FC. However, he kind of, when he took that spot, he really exuded this aura. And I, I give credit to Amy Walsh um, for using that word. <laughs> he really exuded this aura of confidence. And he really, it felt like he really gave up to the rest of the team in front of him. But for all the confidence he demonstrated last season, he, he seems to be all over the shop. You know, 
I don't know if you watched too much of his of his action because like you said kind of it wasn't really happening for Vancouver so he wasn't really under threat a lot but even in previous matches particularly um versus New York Red Bulls I thought Brezzo was kind of really flapping kind of aimlessly at balls and things that I would expect a goalkeeper to, to say catch. Um, you know, he was punching, which is generally a sign that that you're not 100% sure of yourself. And of course, if your goalkeeper isn't 100% sure of himself, it's going to be a little bit tough for the guys in front of him to be yeah. sure of themselves. Yeah, the trouble we have here is we don't get to see a lot of the Montreal games because they're on the, the French stations, which mm-hmm. doesn't come in all the packages here. So it's like relying on just the highlights. So you maybe don't get to to see everything. This is just over a season then that Wilfred Nancy's been in charge. What 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 do you make of him as a coach? And what are you expecting from Montreal this this season? Is playoffs the minimum that that you're expecting from this team? I think for Wilfred Nancy to keep his job, playoffs are the minimum for sure. Um, I think you have to make the playoffs this season. Um, I think it really is do or die. It's been too long for Montreal. They did make the the play in round in 2020, which apparently counts as making the playoffs, even though I I, can, I count it. <laughs> okay, well, actually, apparently the 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 people who dole out the salaries counted too because the players got a bonus in 2020 for it. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, I, I personally don't count it, but whatever. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, no, because it, it was like, it was a freebie. It was a free. No, nah, like they wouldn't have made it in any other year except for 2020. Um, overall though, I like Wilfred Nancy as a coach. I think there's kind of two sides, I guess there's a side that I really like, and there's a side that I don't like as much. So I think he's a good players coach. I think he has good communication with his team. He talks a lot kind of about having talks with players, I guess, in his office one-on-one. And I've kind of become a big proponent whenever a player's in a slump, I'm like, Wilfred needs to take him into his office and have a one-on-one <laughs> chat because he did that with uh, Rudy Camacho last year, who, you know, he's Rudy Camacho. I was done, yeah. done, done, done. I had no time for him. And they had this infamous talk before the season started last year. And I mean, Rudy Camacho was a pillar for Montreal. I mean, he was, he was somebody who you could not take out of the lineup and he was phenomenal. And now he's back and it, it was a shaky start, but he seems to be finding his old form. Um, and there were a few other players who kind of had a similar chat with Wilfred Nancy and then saw kind of an uptick in their performance. Interesting. So I like that. Then there's the side I don't like. <laughs> and I think he's way too tactically rigid um, when it comes to his starting lineups. Uh, we have seen the exact same formation pretty much the entire time that Wilfred Nancy has been a coach of Montreal. As well, I am of the belief that James Pentemis um, deserves another shot in net. Yeah. Um, and he, well, Fernandzi is sticking to his guns, sticking with Brezza, uh, come hell or high water. Um, and so there's there's some rigidity that I'm not a fan of with Phil Fernandzi as a coach. Last couple of things to ask you then. So you mentioned it there. It's three wins on the bounce. It looks like you've turned things around. To, to keep that trajectory, do you think you need to be busy in the transfer market? Is there areas of the team that you want to see strengthened, whether it's before this window closes or definitely in the, in the summer window? By and large, I do generally like Montreal's depth, um, particularly if Sam Piet comes back 
uh, to full fitness soon. He has started training with the team because Victor Wanyama is this close to a suspension. <laughs> Only seven matches in. God I thought he was going to get into something with Kava today because Kava just is Kava. Oh, he <laughs> lives for that. I, I yeah. was surprised he didn't get a yellow card. Yeah. <laughs> I expected no less. <laughs> he, any, any game that he comes out of that he doesn't get a yellow card, I'm surprised. I expect it every game. If you could bet oh. on him to get booked in every game, I would bet on that. Likewise, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think overall, I do generally like Montreal's depth overall. Um, the one position where I've had deep concerns for Montreal is at the left, assuming assuming Wilfred Nancy wants to continue as um, in the same formation that he's played, like I said, his entire tenure, um, would be left wing back. Uh, I don't think Lassie Lapline is, is the solution. Zoran Basang was signed last year, but he hasn't really impressed in his showings with Montreal. And he played several matches at center back. So I, I'm not counting those matches just to be clear, but he still has not impressed. <laughs> um, Kamal Miller has kind of saved his butt several times. And um, Montreal did just sign uh, this past week, their draft pick, Jojea Quizera who was really out of left field, like nobody in Montreal or nobody in MLS knew who this guy was. And they were all like, barely, oh, okay. When Montreal made this pick, um, he's a left winger. So theoretically, maybe he could be converted to a left back because draft, draft picks tend to be pretty versatile, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's possible. Um, so I'll, I'll see what he brings. And then, of course, Mathieu Chouanier, when he's fit, he can also fill in a, a left wing back. Um, but we don't have somebody who, say, truly claims that position. And when you play with a kind of a 3-5-2-ish or a 3-4-1, or sorry, 3-4-1-2, <laughs> if you prefer. Yeah, I get confused as well. Because... Join the club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or a 3-4-1-2 if you prefer. Um, I, I, I just know that Hattie would be like, Eve, um, you want your wingbacks to be really implicated and they were not very implicated in the attack last year. I mean, you know, Mathieu Chouanier who mainly played left wingback and, um, Zachary Brogiard who played on the right, they had single digits assists between them, which is not, not what you want, especially when now that Montreal has a guy like Kai Kamara who's yeah. great for a header, right? Um, so for me, left wing back primarily is a position that I would still want Montreal to make some moves for, somebody a true starter in that position. That's interesting because like Axel Schuster here said that he expects to make a trade before the window closes. Mm -hmm. We seem to have a lot of left wing backs or right wing backs or whatever you want to pincer them in. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll end up sending someone your way. And... Oh my God. Oh, also, sorry, just sideline. Um, I don't think either Sebastian Breza or James Pantamas is the future of goalkeeping in Montreal. Oh, I think jo Jonathan Savoy is. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. And I, I know Excellent. I was joking there that I'd like him. I genuinely mm. would have liked him here because I think he would have really challenged Thomas Asal for that starting spot. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether he would have got it, though, because they're wanting to put so much faith in him. Yeah, you guys, you guys are like what we were a few years ago. You've got so many young, good keepers oh, that you can't play them all. And that that's the issue. So t today's meeting is probably going to be the only time that that we meet this season. Definitely on, on league business, unless we get to the MLS Cup. 
<laughs> there could always be the Canadian Championship. Now, you guys are always really good in the Canadian Championship, and it kicks off next month. You're in the tough half of the draw. Yeah. Because you've got Toronto, you've got Forge. Is that a competition that you feel you guys are going to target again this year as as something? Like you've had that experience in the, the Champions League, and some teams it, it really is not beneficial to them, and it just knocks their start of the season off a little bit. You've maybe seen it with Montreal. It was a bit of a slow start. Even Seattle had a bit of a slow start, and they've kind of come good now. But New York City have still struggled to get yeah. off the mark, and yeah. all last year as well. Oh, New England, even it. yeah. So this is it's it's an interesting thing. Do you throw a lot at this, or do you think that Wilfred Nancy is going to be more like we need the leagues, we need the playoffs? You said he needs to make the playoffs probably to to keep his job. What what do you what are you expecting from Montreal this year in the Voyagers Cup? It's my long winded way of saying that. Yeah. Uh, well, the one of like the big pros for Montreal is that so much of their starting caliber talent is Canadian right off the bat. So you know Montreal doesn't have to rotate a lot of depth players in. Um, although that is the kind of the model that they went with last year. Uh, regardless, for me, Montreal's most epic iconic moments were in that 2015 champions league run i mean those are moments that montrealers still talk about to this day yeah um, I, i'm jealous of those because that's the kind <laughs> of moments i want exactly and you know those are moments that have remained in the memories of montrealers uh all around i mean there were sixty thousand people there and those 60,000 people have those memories lodged in their heads. So I believe that Montreal absolutely will take the Canadian championship very seriously once again this season, because the only way to make it to Champions League, if you're a Canadian team, is via the, C uh, the Canadian championship. Unless you get relegated to the CPL. I think that could be the Whitecaps plan for this year. <laughs> no, honestly, I think the Whitecaps are a lot better than they've been. I think they're a really talented team. I'm really sorry to see Ryan Gold go out injured. I think yeah, for me, I, I love know. him. I don't know if you saw what happened in, in the stadium. Yeah. He really whacked his head off the turf really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I thought though, um, when he when he looked for a sub, I thought almost like because it was off the ball that he looked for yeah. the sub. Because right so, away, if you watch it yeah. back, he does that and you're I, like, uh oh. He uh the, he did that right in front of uh where my season tickets are. Oh um yeah, I'm in 127 link right behind that corner flag. You're not you're not in with the bell ends. No <laughs> as I like to call them. No, I'm in I'm in 127 myself. Um so I'm kind of at the opposite end of the stadium. Um yeah, and as soon as we, we all collectively saw him pull up, um we said, Oh my gosh, Ryan Gold too. Yeah. Is he was somebody who kind of my section had their eye on for sure. Yeah. Cause it's like with him out and Alexandre was coming back and now he's he's broken his hand and it's like Yes. It, it's not the start of the season, I think we we thought was even possible, but it's what we've got. So one thing I do want to ask you a bit before you go is it's about how the fan base feel about everything now. The, the rebrand, CF Montreal, the loss of the impact name. Your your new CEO, Gervais, was the, gave an interview this week. That, um, he gave an interview with the CPL this week saying he was disappointed the impact name had gone and, and stuff like that. What What's the view like amongst the fan base just now with that? Ha, have you brought some of the disillusioned ones back on board? 
So I think a lot of people who say we're disillusioned by the change um, are kind of watching and waiting a little bit. Um, a lot of us, like I myself, I, I'm speaking just for myself. I'm not speaking on behalf of like any of my podcast co-hosts or anything. Myself, I was not a fan of the way the rebrand was done at all. Was not a fan of the name change, which has been rechanged. in case you missed it. We are no longer Club de Foot Montreal. We are CF Montreal. Oh, I did miss that. You did miss that because yeah. it was never formally announced. Um, it came out when a journalist asked a question in uh, Gabrielle Gervais' uh, first press conference. <laughs> so, yes, I I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to spread that word. <laughs> no, I'm really oh. sorry. <laughs> um, also, like, so anyway, I was, I was not a fan of the way the changes were done. I was not a fan of how a lot of what was done last year was handled as far as I mean, the folks who were in power last year went so far as to, you know, when they were putting something out on social media that had a former impact player, they would erase the logo from the jersey, like really overriding oh. it completely. And so it was kind of a slap into the face to people who had been around for a long time, you know? So I was on the fan of how it was handled. And Gabriel Gervais, you know, credit to him. He also said he was not a fan at all of how it was handled. And he thought, you know, the way it came out was kind of out of left field and stuff. And so first things first, I think everybody, the world over unanimously agrees that Club de Foot Montreal was a ridiculous name. <laughs> um, so that's been changed to CF Montreal. However, Impact does not appear to be coming back in the name, like officially. Um, you know, lots of talk, of course, it can be a nickname and so on mm. and so forth. Kind of like the Habs have for um, the hockey team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as well, the logo is going, it looks like the logo is going to be reworked. Um, you oh. know, certainly that came out um, that the logo is going to be reworked, which I also agree is a really important step to take. Um, when we were at the stadium today, I don't know, you know, like you said, you don't get to watch a lot of Montreal on TV. So I, I don't know how much you would have noticed last year, but um, a lot of the, the blue had been removed from the stadium and covered up with uh, black because that yeah. had kind of become the main color in the, the Club de Foot Montreal logo. Yeah, but it was very blue today. It was extremely blue and they've brought that back. And that was kind of one of the things that even before Gabrielle Gervais came into power, um, that was kind of in the works. Um, they've launched a, a new marketing campaign, which is Ale 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 Montreal, which is based on like the number one chant, I guess, for the team. And so there are things in the works that seem positive to me. Um, and I'm trying to remain open-minded because it is a new regime and stuff. All the same, there is a lot of... Um, a lot of change that I'm still looking at really skeptically. For example, you know, there was a big controversy last year toward the end of the season with uh, Section 132 being closed. Yeah. So Section 132 is reopened. However, it is no longer a supporter section. It is full of seats. Oh. Yeah. The ultras are not banned. However, the ultras, um, and I'm not speaking on their behalf, I'm not a member of the group or anything, the ultras have put out statements basically saying they're not coming back um, because of how things were handled last year and as well the identity change. Um, just to sum it up really briefly. Because yeah, the, the crowd today, I was intrigued. So I looked it up and it was yeah. just over 12,000. 12, I thought yeah. it was surprising. Yeah, it was surprising. Um, no, it wasn't surprising, I guess. 
it would it would be surprising to a lot of people watching from afar. Hmm. Um, so obviously, there's still a lot of bridges that need to be mended between the club and its supporters. Um, the ultras were responsible for a massive part of the ambiance in the stadium um, prior to you know their expulsion, and they're not ready to come back yet. They don't feel like the, the club has made uh, enough steps in the right direction as well. One of the things that the, the team wants to do is to put all of the supporters groups along the same section, kind of like an LAFC or, or an Orlando. It's what we have here as well. Right? Yeah. What, what we had, but they've kind of all gone together now anyway. So. Yeah. So they all want to put them kind of um, at the end with the bell and a lot of the supporter groups kind of have different ideologies when it comes to what it means to support the team. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to work out there, um, but they seem pretty hell bent on this idea. So I feel like at some point we're going to have to confront it. Um, And a part of me wonders if kind of they put the chairs in the, in the section 132 um, because Gabriel Gervais has says he, he's wants to reach out to the ultras because, you know, they supported the team for, Oh my gosh! Uh, since two thousand two, yeah. Um, back, I back mean, when they, the Southsiders started, they, I think Southsiders were ninety nine, and then they were like not long two, after that. They're two thousand two, thankfully, because they have it in their name. You, oh, 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 of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's there's a lot of bridges to men, and a part of me wonders if like they kind of didn't take advantage to be like, oh, okay, one thirty two, like you know, you're we've quote unquote made up, right? Oh, but gosh darn it! There's not a there's not a supporter section there anymore. I guess you're gonna have to go down to the other end. A part yeah. a part of me wonders that, like, kind of out of a little bit of side eye, because it's been a couple of years now that they've been talking about reuniting all the supporter groups um, on the one section. But that was a really long answer to your question, and I'm so sorry. Basically, to sum it up, um, feelings are so complicated. For those of us who were skeptical, um, it does feel like things are starting to move in the right direction. I, in my personal opinion, there is, however, still a lot of uh, fences to be mended. Awesome. It's always a pleasure chatting to you. Where can people find you online? Where can people listen to the podcast and watch it now as well that you guys yes, have done this year? We go live. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Um, so myself, I'm at Eve Julia nine on Twitter and the podcast that I am a part of with my wonderful co-hosts, uh, Hadi Raphael and Sam Savi is the ball is round. And you can find us at TBIR Montreal on both Twitter and Instagram. And we go live typically on Sundays at 6 30 PM Eastern, occasionally Mondays, uh, as schedules need. How have you enjoyed doing the the live stuff? Because we we dabbled a little bit yeah. with it, and I I don't know I I prefer recording and then I can edit stuff out if I see something I regret. So, <laughs> as the feminine counterpart with you know long hair and certain level of vanity, <laughs> I said to the guys when they when they were throwing this around um, prior to kind of the season starting, I said, "Do you know who's going to have to put the most effort into this?" <laughs> um but overall I really enjoy it um you know I like getting to kind of get the reactions of our listeners uh as we're talking uh so you know sometimes they're like yes you're so right and then sometimes they totally disagree and and they're not afraid to tell us and as well um 
I really enjoyed kind of the guests that we've had on. Uh, I don't know why, but being live, like we've had phenomenal guests so far, knock on wood aggressively. You were one of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yeah. enjoyed that, that that show with Alex and me. Oh, oh, that was that we could have gone all day, huh? Show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we could have gone all I I honestly like we could have gone for three or four hours, I think, if someone had let us. No, but overall I really enjoyed it. And like I feel like with our guests, like kind of we're a little bit more free-flowing than when we record because it's mm. kind of like you can't go back, so you have to really like say what you want. So I, I do enjoy doing it live overall. Um it was a little bit rough last Sunday because I'd been out the Saturday before. <laughs> I thought last Sunday I was like, okay, guys, <laughs> I'm going to wear my glasses. Like, <laughs> just sit here a little bit hunched over. Um, and everyone's going to have to bear witness to that. But overall, I really enjoy doing it live. Awesome. I, I'm a couple behind. I haven't seen the last couple because it's just been no so crazy here with stuff that's mm -hmm. been happening with games. But yeah, if anyone hasn't checked it out, you can watch it on YouTube. You can listen to it. Really recommend it. It's a it's a fun show. You guys have great chemistry as well. And yeah, if you're going to watch it, watch it for Eve. You don't want to watch it for Paddy. <laughs> oh, no. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're beautiful in their own way. Don't worry. <laughs> in their own way. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's more of an insult. But anyway, thank you for oh, no. joining me. Thank you for joining me on your Saturday night. It's nice to see that you're not drunk from the game because I was a bit worried Saturday night you might have knocked a few back, but... That's um, to come. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time and we'll talk soon. Likewise, thank you so much, Michael. So thanks so much to Eve for joining us there. Lots of great chat uh, about the game, about Montreal, and they're certainly having a, a much better season so far than the Whitecaps. That is it now, though, for our football chat. It's not it, of course, for the show, because we have to finish this episode with this week's wavelength. And although the Whitecaps brought the mood down a little bit, we talked at the start of the show about the, the feel-good factor in BC at the moment in terms of football. We've got a CPL side coming to Langley. We've got the World Cup coming here in 2026. So I thought I would go back into the archives for another kind of World Cup-themed song. We're going back to 2002, and this was the official Ireland, Republic of Ireland World Cup squad, their song for the 2002 World Cup in Japan and Korea. It's a reworking of a 1994 song from the Irish indie band A House. It might also feature former Whitecaps player Andy O'Brien on it. I think he was involved in the recording of this song. The title of the song just brings the feel-good factor to end the show. This is the Republic of Ireland squad. Here come the good times. This Irish team has achieved a magnificent success. It's going to be a magnificent trip. Iran 1, Ireland 2, and Ireland on the way to the World Cup. Thank you.
2002 Republica Island squad with a few Irish celebrities thrown in as well. Here come the good times, and here come the good times in BC as well. Lots of exciting football to, to look forward to. We've got League One BC kicking off next month as well. And on AFTN this week, we're going to be kicking off our coverage of that. And we'll be bringing you some chats about that on future shows as well. But that is it. For this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show, we will be back soon. But just before we go, Steve, let people know where they can find you online, any final thoughts or anything that you learned this week. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And the thing I learned this week is it's very concerning with the Whitecaps attack if they can't make Rudy Camacho look bad. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. Uh, I am ecstatic that this, the Canadian Premier League is coming to the Fraser Valley, the, the Fraser Valley, the Greater Vancouver region. Really looking forward to that. If you want to be a part of it, be in touch. FVFanatics at gmail.com or you can follow uh, FVFanatics on Twitter as well. I can't wait for the first of, uh, inaugural Langassico. Could that be the name of the Langford versus Langley matchup? <laughs> Langassico. Langclassico? Yeah. What, what like, are we going to call the BC Derby? I I don't want anything with Lang in it, but I, I, okay. hear, I hear where you're going. I hear where you're going. <laughs> I'm just kidding with that. Salish Sea Derby, I still always like, but we kind of claimed that for TSS and Victoria Highlanders, but 
I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff online, AFTN.ca. Give us a like, subscribe, turn on notifications on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada, because we've got Provincial Cup videos coming up. I'm excited. Provisionally, I'm going to four Provincial Cup games next weekend if things work out and weather and there's no like extra time and penalties and stuff like that. It's a feast of football. Have to try and squeeze in my FIFA Plus as well. We will be back soon with more nonsense. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a wonderful remainder of your Easter weekend. And remember, Monday is cheap chocolate day, but do not go to Superstore or Walmart in East Vancouver because that's where I'm going and I want my cheap eggs and I want my cheap lint bunnies. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.